Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 380. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Howdy ho neighbor. Connor's, I don't know, dodging fireworks somewhere in a blaze yeah. of glory. No, what am I saying? It's not a blaze of glory. It's fumbling yeah. into the flames and dying miserably. If it's anything like his dog defense, he's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> anywho this is a dc comics podcast we get together we talk about the week's books that we read it is a fifth week so you know it's going to be a weird batch of books but that's okay coming up on today's show we've got detective comics 1076 we have batman catwoman the gotham more scorched earth issue one we have supergirl special issue one we're doubling back and talking about city boy issue five mm-hmm. which came out two weeks ago and then uh, i've got a patreon book uh, I've done both since it's a week five, but next week's actually just as quiet for books, so I'll do the other one then. Uh, but yes, uh, I'll be talking about American Vampire Second Cycle Issue 1. So uh, it's a cobbled together fifth week, but it's not bad. We've had worse. So yes, we'll, definitely. Uh, well, we'll do what we can. Uh, the more important thing, though, uh, this week is that Matt grew up here and watched Terrifier 2. So I am True. delighted to be able to ask how much he loved it. Here's the thing. I love the mythos that's being at play <laughs> there more than I enjoy the actual experience of watching the movie. Uh, um, see, yeah. I love the experience. I love the experience of one. I love the experience of two. Mm-hmm. But the mere fact that there's a mythos to even talk yeah. about coming out yeah. of Terrifier 2 was what blew me away. I was yeah, not expecting I, to come out of it thinking about theories and stuff that was going on. Yeah, I still need to watch All Hallows' Eve before I can start piecing things together. Um, so, yeah. I will say that whoever play Art, uh, whoever plays Art the Clown is... That man is, is a physical genius. <laughs> just the stuff that he's able to do just with looks and head tilts and body. And, you know, I'm assuming heavy prosthetics, right? Uh, um, at least makeup. I don't know. Maybe yeah. there's a bit of a nose or something put on. Yeah, but... nose, chin type type deal. Um, but he's very expressive nonetheless. Oh yeah. In the scenes that should be just utterly brutal, the fact that he's laughing and having a good time just it makes me conflicted. That, that is a man who loves what he does. Yes, one hundred percent. You can't deny that he, fact. You love what you do, and it's never a job, right? No, like, no. but but yeah, no. there's there's a lot of play. I mean, Terrifier One is. Pretty, pretty straight and to the point, like kind of slasher movie. Uh, kind of plays the tropes a little bit. Uh, Terrifier 2, I don't know what... Uh, like, it's not really a horror movie. I don't know how to class it anything else because of... It's like almost like an epic horror movie because of yeah, the... It's the, the Godfather, it's the Godfather part two of, of the slasher movie sure. genre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and normally I would laugh at that, but it's the best comparison I can think of. Yeah, um, uh, and the third one is going to be set at Christmas. the The mm-hmm. teaser trailer was playing with a re release of two this yep. week, uh, but it did leak on Twitter, so I did see it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, potato quality and all that, but it's, it's just yeah. a little. T- it's just he's wearing a Santa hat, and that's kind of awesome. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, very very interesting. Uh, I am a a fan of uh, what's her name the the character. Uh, oh yeah, the main the the the, the main girl. girl, yeah, yes. uh, yeah. Instantly, instantly, with seeing seeing her costume and her whole story, I was like, oh, this is a character I can get behind. I hope nothing too terrible happens. Joe, you know? 
It's so funny, actually, because something that comic book movies do especially now a lot, ever since Nolan mm-hmm. did this with the Batman trilogy, is they'll they'll do their origin movie or their first movie out the gate, but they'll save the main villain for the second movie. Mm-hmm. I loved it, Terrifier, because the slasher franchise did the other mm-hmm. way around, where it starts with the villain, because mm-hmm. that's the star, the slasher franchise, yep. and the second movie introduced, no, no, here's his real, like, good person nemesis like mm-hmm. i actually think that's wonderful and i'm yeah. excited to see uh christmas antics with art next year let uh, yeah let that guy cook let the yeah. the, the writer director because it seems like that's all he's worked on is terrifier pretty so, much he did like ter- there was a couple of short movies then he did all hallows eve which is an anthology <laughs> where one stories are it's worth mentioning all of those it's a different actor playing art so yeah you know that's worth a bit uh, but Terrifier is where it really clicked, and then Terrifier mm-hmm. Two is like this, like really ambitious thing, which was made for less than a million dollars. It is wow, absurdly it low budget. Because uh, they, they even they updated some of the effects on some of the characters from the first movie mm. that make it into the second. You know, um, they they you know worked on the effects there, made it definitely look way more expensive than that. So good on them. Yeah. Uh, honestly those movies that cost 10 times as much that look far far cheaper yeah, so they for they, sure it just shows what happens when the people behind it have got talent and they care and they put mm-hmm. in the effort and yeah it's definitely you, you know they talk about that filmmaking is a collaborative and terrifier definitely feels like that yeah you know everyone's yeah. showing up and working and but but yeah no we're definitely on the other side now so uh-huh. uh, that bedroom scene will live with me forever from Terrifier Two. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking uh, about. I was cackling with laughter when I saw that. You know the reason why this is prolonged. <laughs> uh, it was yes. funny. It's hilarious. It's a hilarious scene. Just right. the way I just remember that you fell asleep during Terrifier Two because of jet uh, jet lag. Yeah, I was jet lagged. Right, I yeah. loved the movie. It was nothing to do yeah. with the movie. I, but that 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 bedroom scene. Basically, they shut down production because of the pandemic for a while. And basically, during that time, uh, the director and a couple of people basically just kept making more stuff to put into that scene to because they had time. They had nothing else to do. So that scene just kept getting bigger and more ridiculous. Yeah. Just when you think you've seen it all, another thing happens. Yes. So, uh, so anywho, anywho yeah. uh, I just don't like to ask Matt about Terrifier 2 because yeah. it was one of my favorite movies from last year. And uh, plus making Matt watch movies he's uncomfortable with is one of my favorite hobbies. This, so. yeah, I mean, this wasn't under the skin. This was just, it's icky. <laughs> like I can, I can handle like over the top gore better than I can stuff that makes me think and makes me bored. You know what I mean? But however, no matter how much I disliked under the skin, it is a movie I think about at least on a monthly basis. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the ending, it's, especially, it, it's under your skin. You may yes, say, "Yeah, oh, there, mm-hmm. there we go." All right, well, there you go. There's some some Matt movie updates for you at the yeah. start of the show. Um, I don't think I've anything particularly exciting to mention uh, for this past week. Uh, October's over. I finally have. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have a streams episode to edit every day, practically. <laughs> so that's that's nice. I feel like I can slow down a little bit. So that's mm-hmm. good. Get ahead in TV stuff again. But uh, yeah, Gen V finale was uh, yesterday. So that's wrapped up its season. Uh, that's good. Yeah, I don't know. No, no, nothing particularly noteworthy. Uh, which, you know, and uh, sometimes we'll have some small talk at the start. I- I'm letting it kind of flesh out a little bit here just because there's no news this week. Uh, mm-hmm. But don't worry. Matt's favorite segment will always be... Oh, and nice. that is... 
the comicsology top 10 join that top 10 Matt. no because it's i mean dc according to my count didn't even have top uh, didn't have 10 bucks that came out this week so i'm curious to see what what sinks in there yeah yeah you want that juicy top 10 i know you do i i don't really you want it bad i know you do nope i'm, I'm gonna That's... give you that top 10 matt no i don't want it no thank you mm, tough <laughs> tough when it, com- this, when it comes to top tens, consent is not an issue, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> You're getting the top ten. <laughs> Spoken like a true bad guy. <laughs> Just inflicting top tens upon Matt whenever he's uh-huh. expecting it. Well, no, you should be expecting it. We do it every start of every show. It should be yeah, the most expected say, thing you know, in the world. I'm ready for it. <laughs> all right, okay. Uh, top ten for Tuesday. First of all, uh, would you like to guess what the number one book from Tuesday is? I'm gonna guess it's Batman, Catwoman, Scorched Earth. Unfortunately, it is. Uh, yeah. I can't. I can't lie and pretend it's something else. Uh, number two, uh, bizarrely, is not a DC book. It's actually Avatar: The Last Airbender, Azula in the Spirit Temple. Which is, uh, is this okay. a, this is a, this is a, there's a, a page count. Oh, it was 80 pages. So it's not, I thought it was like maybe a collection, but it seems to be a big one shot instead. Okay. So, fair enough. People like that last airbender mm-hmm. stuff. It's not my avatar, obviously. I'm all about the Iwa, you know, and Pandora. Yeah, the mighty Ekron. Yeah. Jake Sully, Matiri, Barich, Norm, Race. I know. Every time someone says they like Avatar, some asshole in there says, oh, name a character from Avatar. Well, there's like six. Piss off. Pete, Pete's been practicing. <laughs> Tarzan kid. <laughs> I haven't seen Avatar 2, but I hear there's a Tarzan kid. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a kid with a Tarzan-esque look to him, yes. Uh, that's not his name, though. Anywho, uh, number three is Supergirl Special, issue one. Hey, number four right. is Detective Comics 1076. Number five is that Return of Superman 30th anniversary special one-shot thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then number six is GLAGSA Vice, uh, sorry, Virtue and Vice, mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously a collection. And yep. then Spirit World issue six. Oof. I know. And then the Aquaman and Lost Kingdom uh, special, yeah. which, yeah. you know, that's your type. So it's to tie into your new movie coming out soon, and it's like yeah. under a couple of collections. That's about zero, zero heat for that. Yeah, no one, no one cares. Ice cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, then number nine is Star Wars: The High Republic collection. Number ten is a reprint of Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Uh, and then yeah, so so it's just a weird week. Okay, DC had yeah. like what four books, no, five books, and then like a sort of collection, a sort of reprint anniversary issue. And then I know there was some new stuff in it as well, but still, yeah. you know, it's, it's a very, very weird week, right? Uh, Marvel, on the other hand, don't necessarily schedule uh, around four weeks, so they tend to just mm-hmm. sort of shift things to week five. So mm-hmm. a little bit different. Um, you got a guess for Wednesday? Oh yeah, it's Ultimate Universe number one. That's correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, new Ultimate Universe I'm, kicked off. And usually, I can also tell by the buzz on Twitter through Comics Twitter. I saw a lot of buzz about the Ultimate Universe this week. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. I have no idea how this is working, So, uh, but it's Hickman, so you guys have fun. Yeah, number two is X-Men. Number three is Avengers. Number four is Spider-Boy issue one by oh. Dan Slott. 
<laughs> that side just can't keep away from Spider-Man in some form. Who the hell is Spider-Boy? An excellent question. I have no idea. I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> I'm not sure I care that much, to be honest, but... Uh, did him and MJ have a son who's grown up quickly? It says, spinning out of the pages of Dan Slott and Mark Bagley's monumental Spider-Man run, here comes the spectacular Spider-Boy. After the events of End of the Spider-Verse, Spider-Boy's secret history of Spider-Man's sidekick was forgotten. Oh, so that this is just the, the JSA kids popping up, but for Spider-Man. Okay, this is a Judy yeah. Garrick then, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, uh, number five is The Sacrificers, issue four. That's a Rick Remender image book. Uh, number six is Scarlet Witch, seven is Doctor Strange, eight is Venom, nine is Star Wars, and ten is Magneto. So hey, we got one image book in the top ten. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, if I just outside the top ten, number eleven is King Spawn. Okay. So, which is up to issue twenty-seven. I didn't realize there was a whole second Spawn on going on top of the the main one. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, mm-hmm. that's a that's a thing. So there you go. I, I mean. Yeah, there's the usual assortment of things. There's a Gargoyles comic, there's a Power Rangers Academy book, there's uh, all sorts of things. Some yep. Star Trek comics, the, the usual parade. So, very good. Um, Alright. And Walking Dead Deluxe 76, is is that the, just them putting colour into the comics? Probably. I have no idea. I think it is. I could be wrong, but I think that's what that is. Uh. Which I guess is doing all right if it's, yeah, you know, charting it, all, all with that. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's charting, then yes. So, fair enough. Well, there you go. That is uh, the Comixology Top 10. You know, week fives. They're a bit weird. You know, mm-hmm. Not much to say on it, but hey, it is what it is. But with that said, uh, we can get into talking about the comics. So we'll rip off the... No, we won't. We'll leave that till second. Detective Comics 1076. <laughs> Ram V rating with Jason Sean Alexander on the R, uh, which mm-hmm. is a new name to me. I don't recognize. Well, no? I know Jason Alexander who plays uh, George Costanza. Yes. But <laughs> pretty sure that's not the same guy. Yes. Just uh, no. sneaking suspicion. What if they're related, though? Like second cousins. Oh, yeah. He could be his son for all we know. Yeah. This could, this could be uh, Jason Jr. <laughs> JJ. <laughs> yeah, JJ, JJ, yeah, why not? Uh, so I'm, I'm glad we're starting with the better of the um, Bat books this week. Sure. Because just straight out of the gate, um, I, I, I'm trying to praise this book as much as I can so as many eyes can get on it. Because I really enjoyed the first part because uh, on the um, on the credits page, they, they call this like the next part. They call it Intermezzo, which I'm sure, you know, in the opera is the the break or whatever. Um, however, I feel like Ram B has ramped it up with the story in this one by shifting the perspective from just being about Bruce and Batman to Gotham as a whole. Um, it's really opened up his story about the Orgums and what they want to do to Gotham and what that's going to mean for other people, not just Bruce. And I'm, I was not shocked because I was already enjoying it, but how much I liked the story in this book, I was not ready for. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I, I've been enjoying this this part of the overall saga even more than the mm-hmm. first part. Now that the, the pieces are in play, I really enjoyed the you know Batman being taken over and sort of trying to cling on to his humanity by going to mm-hmm. all these you know places in his memory. The last issue, 
this issue is held captive by by the Orgums and uh, Arzen specifically, and he's basically just waiting to be hanged. Like that's that's mm-hmm. what's happening here. And one of the things that we've been talking about since the start of this run is that you know Batman doesn't have Alfred, so maybe he's leaning on Gordon a little bit more for mm-hmm. that, and it very much the people around him. So I think it's it is a very wise narrative choice to switch to. It's actually funnily enough, and it's so. It's almost like Ram V, and I'm not saying he is, but it's yeah. it's almost like he's he's kind of throwing shade on how crappy the other stuff is right now by having it shift to Selena. And there's one throwaway reference to, oh, we're yeah. not in great terms right now, and that's that's the only reference you get to the whole Batman yep. Catwoman war that's going on, because it shifts to her, and she's the one taking it upon herself to put a team together to try and save Batman when she finds out. From some mystery person in a cloak mm-hmm. who works with the Argums. Who, just like a ninja. Just like a ninja. Yeah. Um, you know, we could theorize maybe who that is in a bit, but mm-hmm. she finds out that Batman's going to be hanged and immediately sort of starts springing into action. Uh, the R here, by the way, is fantastic. See, when she comes into like her room and she's mm-hmm. in her black dress and this ninja's waiting for her, there's a really simple thing in the art here that I really liked where... It goes into, like, silhouette, where it's just kind of like this orange background, and it's like she's blocking a kick or something, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, they're just in silhouette, so they're just pitch black, and behind them's this orange background. What I really liked is that in the very next panel, it flips it, and now the background is pitch black, and they're kind of got the orangey coloring sort of... Oh, still kind of in a like, cutout mm-hmm. form, but the swapping of the colors gave it this real sense of, like... I don't know, like... Do you know, like, if you watch, like, a kung fu movie and, like, they'll throw mm-hmm. a punch and block and they'll sort of pause when they do that and then they'll, there'll be a beat yep. and then they'll throw the second punch? That's what it felt like yep. to me. It felt like, you know, punch, block, pause, punch, block, pause. It, it gave it this momentum in a weird way, even though I'm saying it gave me... And a, there's, a, like, a... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there, I was going to say, there's, like, a pacing to it, right? So it makes it feel... Even though, like, it's, it's all still art, it gives it a flow and, like, a, a sense of... Uh, like cinematography for lack of a better term right yeah yeah um mm-hmm. yeah i felt i felt the crunch from it. it was it was really nice uh mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that in a bit though uh, so she goes on this mission to build a team and she goes to jim gordon and says hey our mutual friends in trouble um and you know there's a bit of banter here about like oh like mm-hmm. she calls him commissioner and he's like i'm not i've not been commissioner for ages and she's like, yeah, but that's not going to stop you, is it? And he's like, yeah, well, you know, once a lawman, always a lawman. And mm-hmm. basically he's like, hey, right now it's just us, but I'm going to try and put a team together to save him. And I love this idea, because we've been talking so much about the city protecting Batman that now we're actually getting to the sort of the heart of the story, which is the people that he's built up around him who are going to be the ones to actually save him. And yep. that, that's actually kind yep. of beautiful. It's, it, it gives it a lot of heart in a way that... You know, I think some people yeah. who write Batman forget to put that in it. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we, there is the Bat family. We talk about the Bat family so often, but here it's going even beyond the family to like not not his acquaintances, but like they're they are the people he's relied on uh, yeah, within I, I, the city that just know him as Batman. It's in, yeah, it's interesting you know? that it's going. Obviously, Gordon's the closest. Well, maybe Selina technically, but you know, right? They're, they're yeah. the two closest to him. But then it seems to be, like, mm-hmm. the rest of this issue, the main story, seems to be introducing the other members, at least so far. There might be more next time. But mm-hmm. we get Asriel introduced for the purpose of, like, he's probably going to be recruited into this, right? Um, mm-hmm. Gordon goes to Montoya, who is like, no, I can't really help you, Jim. And 
he's like look I just want you to be aware, and if there's like any trouble coming, I want you to warn me, you know. And at least if you're not going to get involved too heavily, at least you're asking the right questions. And the word questions, questions Boldy, they love to do that with Montoya. <laughs> now. They love to emphasize the word question. Um, and yeah. I love the art on those pages as well. As, uh, the art here is really mm-hmm. good. I actually really like the art in this. Uh, it's so you said we'll talk about the art in a minute, but what I like here is like there's a moodiness to it that makes mm-hmm. it feel like. A grittiness that wasn't there before. Like everything before this was kind of more, a little bit more opulent and kind of like the orgums themselves. Well, here it's because it's following Catwoman, you know. Well, not everything because it's, it's the, grittier. Because the last couple issues were different again, right? So there was like they are up until mm-hmm. that point, and then these last couple issues with Batman kind of being infected with the Asper, mm-hmm. that changed style, and then we've changed style again for, to shift to to this yeah. and obviously this may just be a scheduled thing especially since this is double shipping for a couple of months but it's yeah. kind of it kind of works out in the sense that we're because we have switched perspective it wouldn't surprise me if we return to either the original artist or or even frankie villa after we're done with this you know intermission period where it's focusing on selena and yeah. the other characters who then obviously then she then goes to ivy and she wants her to make her something which is interesting because it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like Gordon's going to go on the mission with Selena, and it doesn't sound like Ivy's going to go on the mission with her. So I wonder if she's no. getting help from all these people, but the the actual people she maybe takes in for the fight may end up being the Bat family themselves. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see yeah, where that maybe. goes. Yeah, maybe it definitely feels feels like Ocean's Eleven when she's assembling the people. We just don't know who these people are yet, right? Yeah. We just know it's going to have something to do with with Ivy. She's making her something. Um, and, you know, when Gordon goes to talk to Montoya, almost setting that edge, you know, about of the question. So, uh, but, but yeah, I, I really liked all those pages. The, the page where she, where Selena's talking to Gordon and they're in that little dive bar. Mm-hmm. There's this uh, spot where they're talking and there's just straight chaos going around them, right? There's like this big bar brawl going and it's almost providing cover. And it's kind of like, what's going on in the city in and of itself, right? To where there's so much chaos going on, they're not being noticed. Uh, and that the Selena is going to use this to her advantage. Yeah. Um, and we also have uh, early on, like we get a little bit of... Because uh, all, all this uh, setup is actually three days in the past. The book actually starts in mm-hmm. what is currently present day, which is, um, you know, Arzen talking to to bruce and coming in and mm-hmm. saying hey the fact that you're even holding on this long is actually very impressive most people are gone pretty instantly but because you're holding on the asthma is going through your system and it's going to be taking every part of you and we get this like mm-hmm. couple of pages sort of inside bruce's head of seemingly like a lot of the small memories that are inconsequential have already been taken and a lot of it's like sort yeah. of like bathed and like you know it's all colored red but the, the part that isn't is is alfred hugging young bruce and it's like that's like the most Mm -hmm. important memory he has right yeah which i actually Mm kind of love i love that it's not the death of the parents it's it's alfred holding him that's like been spotlighted here as the main thing that he's going to lose yeah and that also goes with the the backup from last time too where we got the the you know the bat demon taking bruce being juxtaposed with the stuff that Alfred was doing. Well, on right? the second so, page of this, we get uh, uh-huh. the big creature coming in and 
it mm-hmm. what seems to be the the bat creature that's representing yep. sort of Bruce's defense system is trying to hold it off while yep. young Bruce is still uh, being held by Alfred. It's a really like yep. I feel like if anything, this visual makes it just so clear what was happening last issue in Bruce's head. We just didn't have all the pieces yeah. yet. But this is like no, no. Yeah. He's fighting off these things being taken from him, and he's he was going to all those places to to rekindle those memories, to hold on to them in some form. And the one that's mm-hmm. ke- keeping him clinging is the memory of Alfred. And it's like yeah, it's all really well done. And this image of yeah. his bat trying to face off against this bigger. Uh, creature is just is just so good yeah and um i also want to talk about when when gordon goes to talk to uh montoya right and about the asthma in of itself you know he talks about how there's really being two gothams built right now and that like the from what we know right with what um arzen had just told bruce about how the the asthma takes the people uh, quicker and how that was being used on the homeless population, right? In Gotham. And um, so Gordon points out to Montoya, like there's these two Gothams being built right now where the people up in the high offices and high apartments are being able to, to steer clear of these people that have been corrupted by the asthma. So we're almost like, well, I, it's not the just homeless- that. I don't think it's the asthma though. It's it, they mentioned the reality engine. It's the it was the broadcast. Well, they, gonna... that, yeah, the, it's the broadcast right. that the uh, gonna... the woman did that seems to have affected the population. I don't I don't think they have affected. I mean, obviously they had the homeless people down the the sewers and right. that, right? They had them, and then they've probably well, that's what I was going to get to in in conjunction with the reality engine, right? It's creating this this thing about how dangerous the lower people of Gotham are, right? And everything that the organs are doing are creating that divide even more. So it's just feeding the reality engine, you know? Um, and so I really like that that's Gordon Montoya talking about that, these two people that are supposed to, you know, protect all of Gotham, right? Talking about, you know, the division that's going on and uh what's been there so well uh, part, part yeah, of what makes just... this so strong is that this is legitimately what politicians and like uh-huh. political parties try and do with their propaganda they try and create mm-hmm. these divides and sort of feed one group against the other to create conflict to get results for themselves so the idea mm-hmm. that ram v is sort of taking that and turning it up to 11 with these characters who are directly like effectively brainwashing people uh yeah. like in a very literal sense in this case mm-hmm. uh, is is really good stuff it, it gives it all this weight because you can sort of like see what all of it's representing in the real world all of it has some kind of analogy that it's uh mm-hmm. that it's going for which is uh yep. really good uh but yeah I, I i like the art is is really nice throughout like i i never heard of this artist and i feel like it fits mm-hmm. the mood of everything so well the small moments of action that are there are very good. It's not a very action-heavy, you know, issue, of course. It's not that type. Yeah. But this moody, like, building of the team and the idea that the people around Batman are the ones that are going to have to come and save him now is, you know, all he has to do is mentally hold on. Uh, and they do a little bit of that, you know, Batman's truly special because he's still talking. He's still fighting it enough yeah. to verbally talk back. And Arzen's like, wait, how are you even still talking? Like, this is this is madness, this. Um, yeah. as far as who the, the, the leaker is, you know, the ninja that comes and tells yeah. Selena what's going on, uh-huh. like, 
part of me thought that could maybe be Arzen himself because obviously we know he he said something last issue about how oh the Batman has to be hanged but maybe Bruce Wayne yep. can still be saved. Now we know that that scene at the start of this issue where he's talking to Bruce is three days after everything yep. else. So maybe right. when he says oh I've done everything I can, maybe he's referring to going to talk to Selina. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the only I mean it's that seems reasonable enough, but I don't know. It, it could be a something else as well yeah whoever it is they really focus on the green eyes right mm. um there with with selena um it says you know who he is behind the mask right um i i don't know who within the organ inner circle would do that right except for arzen because of what we you know found out in the last one where he considers bruce a friend right so yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is a mystery because we still have you know Roz at play in in his league, right? Because of his ties to uh, to the Orgums and and Arzen's history and all of that type of stuff too. So wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if it's also someone from from that side of things that's just in the inner circle. Um, but it's probably. It's probably the obvious. Yeah. Also, that very first panel of this book is gorgeous. It's it's the old Arkham ruins, Mm -hmm. and it's just this sort of black silhouette almost against the moonlight of the of whatever's left of Arkham, and it just looks Mm -hmm. spooky. It's got this this atmosphere Mm -hmm. to it. Uh, It just sets you right up for the for the tone of the book, and everything between this feeling like it's you know I'd. A dark world where everyone's getting a bit more violent and like the divide is like spreading mm-hmm. and the chaos is spreading it's making me think of metropolis not superman uh, the the movie from 1927 mm-hmm. it's making me think of season yes. three of twin peaks um and i know these are references that you might not be getting as much but <laughs> like yes yeah. this, this idea of like, these seeds of uh disruption and unrest are being spread to create chaos um yeah is is uh, the the tone this gave me was very making me think of those two things so yeah there's, like there's like a sadness a disease sadness spreading throughout the city of gotham and yeah. the, the good people that are left are going to have to try and fight it and fix it and like beat it back yeah. and that's exciting oh, and it's making yeah and rambi's done a very good job of making this feel like a gotham centric event right and there's not a bunch of tie-ins however you know, this shifting to focus on Gordon and Selena and then Azrael popping up and Ivy and, you know, all these other characters, right? It makes it feel very Gotham specific in a bigger story than that's actually being told. And, and, well, I, and I really like that. It's worth mentioning as well that he went out of his way to, obviously Gordon's been a recurring character in this detective run. Mm-hmm. And even with Selena, he went out of his way to have Selena pop in for those two issues relatively recently. Remember where she sort of saved him from yeah. the in the water? And yeah. you may argue it doesn't need to do that because, hey, it's a Batman comic and Selena Kyle might show up. Absolutely. But it is a good example of writing in, a, in an ongoing book like this to establish that certain characters are a part of your ongoing story. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying Selena Kell needs to be introduced to the audience so we all understand who she is when she shows up, but it feels like, oh, she's not just popping up out of nowhere when she does show up. Yep. It's already established that she is part of this story in some way. They, he did that sort of heart-to-heart between them, those however many mm-hmm. issues ago, to 
seed the fact that she is around, she's going to be a part of this. So when she pops up here, yeah, you can think about everything going on in the other book, but you're not really. You're thinking back to the last time she was in this story, and that time was this more heartfelt kind of exchange where it felt like two people who still very much loved each other, but obviously there's a lot of, you know, shaky stuff around it, but... Yeah, it definitely feels way more informed by his Catwoman run and yes. what their relationship was there than it does anything else that's been going on. Because uh, that's what I thought of, right? And there'll be more reasons why that, you know, comes in with when we touch on the backups and, and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, him seeding these things throughout. It's just good storytelling. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because so... I, I was saying the same thing. I, I just reviewed the final episode of Gen V, and mm-hmm. there's one or two smaller characters from the boys in the finale, but both of them had been mm-hmm. set up in the show early on the season, so it didn't just feel like a cheap out of nowhere, here's a character from the boys. It's yeah. like, no, no, it established that they were a character in the show, so if you hadn't seen the boys, you'd still have some frame of reference for why it's, you know, why it's a bigger deal these characters are here and possibly in danger and that kind of thing. And I'm right. feeling the exact does, same thing with this. Like, Ram V set up Selena Kyle as a character in this run. And that's smart. And she's already rescued Batman once, right? Yeah, so yeah. of course that, she's going to... Yeah, that was a... She's, she's going to try to do it again. Yeah, that was like a really simple version of savings, which is just, you know, grabbing him before mm-hmm. he drowns, whereas this is right. a lot more complex. This, I mean, this is a heist. Let's just yeah. put it, she actually says that yeah. to uh, someone later on. Uh-huh. This is a heist, which is, to be fair, if she's an expert at anything, it's, it's a heist. It's right. She's great at stealing, uh, including Batman's heart. Yeah. So she, she knows her stuff. But, so, but yeah, yeah, it's just <sighs> Ram V's Gotham is one that I really like. Like we, we talk about these cities becoming characters throughout comics, but like between this and his Catwoman run, it feels like a, a, a city that I've been to. And that that's really strong storytelling. Yeah. And honestly, that second last page of the story where you see Catwoman, because she's, she's not been in costume the whole issue, she's been just Luna Kyle. Yeah. That first panel of her in costume, like sort of crouched down, surrounded by like the you know the, the mm-hmm. various veins and stuff. I love how deep the black yeah. is on that outfit. Uh, it looks really cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If I have any critique, is I'll just say. It, it ended very suddenly where I'm like, oh, it's already over. I, yes. I, I was kind of hoping that because it was an extra issue that maybe they were going to do a thing where it got all the backup space as well. But, you know. Yeah. That's well, what it is. I didn't, ex- I didn't expect there to be so many backups. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, there's yeah. technically three, although the last one's only two pages. So it's not like it's extending yeah. the length that much. But it, it's definitely no. a bit longer than they have been though, right? This is more like the action comics yeah. issues recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this was how many pages? I have forty-five on here. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. yeah, very strange. Um, I will confess. So there's there's three backups. I read two of them. I yes. didn't read the first one because. Okay. You know, obviously, I like the idea of reading the Montoya story where she puts the question mm-hmm. mask on and stuff. I sort yeah. of skimmed it and saw that, but I hated the art so much <laughs> that I just didn't want to read it. <laughs> The art is not bad. It's just it's it needs a better inker. Um, maybe yeah, because maybe it's, it's, it just it looks so flat and not in a way it, that yeah. Not, you know, it's, it's not like a Francavilla flat where it's like really no. stylish looking. It just it just looks I yeah. Because Francavilla is flat, but there's depth to it at the same time because he plays the shadows. Yeah. Here, there's there's not a lot of that. Um, but yeah, so basically, in in this is 
uh, Montoya gets a call from this mom uh, saying that her husband's been up to something, but she doesn't know when because he's always around. Um, and so Mon this leads to Montoya donning the mask because, you know, people start to be like, you know, you used to be a cop that asked questions, right? And there's just the reoccurring therm, uh, uh, therm, theme of asking questions. Um, and so Montoya starts wondering to herself, well, what are the ethics of of the police commissioner also being a vigilante, right? Because now we're getting into some serious things, but they're kind of, you know, she talks to some of these, you know, smaller cops in the, the police station, like kind of the patrol guys and, you know, smaller detectives. And they're like, yeah, no, he, it's airtight. Like, you know, he says where he says he's been, you know, we, we really can't prove anything. Um, the wife dropped off this, this tape, but, uh, that she says are screams that he recorded of these murders that he's committing, but they can't trace them. They can't place them. And he claims they're from, you know, his favorite horror movies. And Montoya's like, that's creepy, but it's not illegal. Right. Like, mm. so at the same time, she's, you know, wondering all this, she's playing with the Rubik's cube. Um, and you know, she, she pulls the question gear out of this drawer and she's like, look, I have this, right? I, I shouldn't do it, but there's also a bottle of booze, which I also shouldn't do. So really, if I'm trying to be my true self, I mean, is it the mask or the bottle? Which then cuts to her with the, the get up on chasing this guy, you know, given, following him, um, where he she follows him through. And this is where the art really looks good because it plays with the colors. There's a lot of, there's a, a like a, like a magenta, a, a blue and a green and they kind of uh, they're spread around the panels that it creates a, a sense of flow you know for the city um, and they're, they're following this guy whose name is Connor Tatar uh, and he works in a textile factory he works on the machines Connor. right um, he also he works at, a, at two grocery stores you know so the only screams from those you know they're there was no screams coming from a, a, a grocery store. So where else could he? And it ends up, uh, question ends up at a elementary school that's all abandoned. And that's where he is. And so there's a, there's a struggle. He wants to know how she figured it out. And um, she's like, well, you know, this screams to cover screams. So he would go in underneath the school during recess when the kids were being allowed. And that's where he would commit his murders. Uh, he says, the violence is easy, call and response, question and answer. And Montoya proceeds to beat the stuffing out of this guy with the Rubik's Cube that she's been carrying. Um, and so she she locks him in, calls the police, and then goes in and, you know, uh, keeps, a, keeps an eye on the wife. Um, and at the end, it ends with, you know, the first question precedes knowledge. It precedes ethics. It simply is. Meaning, like, it's just the question. There is no ethics to be in the question for her. It's just something that sometimes she has to do. It's kind of baked into who she is. Um, and it ends with, with her letting out a scream as she takes the mask off, which goes also into the, the name of the uh, uh, story, which is called The Question and the Scream. So the artist was Christopher Mitten, um, which it, the as the story goes, there, there tends to be more depth, but like, you can't just draw the question with no face, right? There's got to be some kind of de definition there. So it just doesn't mm. look like a blank, 
right? And that's my main kind of big problem as the action sequences get going is, you know, they're, they're the layouts are, are well done. It's just there's not enough, there's not enough uh, detail in here, you know, and it it's a little bit too flat. But then this last page, it's got, you know, Gotham with the, you know, the blue and magenta and the green, multiple blimps through the air. There's just like a sense there. So um, it was a pretty good read for a Montoya story, though. Like, again, Dan Waters and Ram V really working together to establish this side of Gothic or Gothic of Gotham, almost in a Gothic sense, too. So, yeah, uh, but definitely. If you have it, you should go back and maybe check it out when you have some time. Yeah, uh, then the next backup was an Asriel story. Mm -hmm. uh, he apparently has been working uh, with a couple of other people. Father Valet yeah. and Vengeance, which is a very interesting mix of characters. Yes. Uh, so uh, Father Valley came from uh, Ramby's Catwoman run. Yeah. Uh, right? And then Vengeance was from the... Um, that, uh... Tynan? Tiny Joker? Yeah, it was the Joker and Jim Gordon yeah. story uh, yeah. Avengers was in. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, and they're looking for Venom. It seems like Vengeance is trying like, she's basically trying to kick the addiction or she's suffering yeah. withdrawal symptoms so Valley is trying to help her and they go after these guys that might have it, but they're basically just zombies at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's unsuccessful or at least as at first. Asriel shows up to help them fight though. Mm -hmm. and uh yeah that, that's kind of that's it's kind of like what he's up to it's a very interesting thing i wonder if that those relationships lead anywhere in the future they may yeah uh but the big ending though is that he asriel sort of thinking like oh something's you know something's like missing in gotham something's been taken from mm -hmm. the city and what could that be and he then looks at his old batman uniform and says yes mm -hmm. of course and it's a very good uh like final page that that they are on the, the the batman outfit that's in like a like you know dusty old like moody like closet or whatever it is mm -hmm. behind all these cables does look quite good um yeah. it's interesting because one of the things we didn't mention too much in that the main story is the idea that they're trying to like ruin the symbol of batman like it's one thing yeah. to like break him or break bruce wayne but it's like no if you, if you sort of like take away what that symbol means to the city then the city's for the taking the city can be shaped in however they want it. So mm -hmm. it'd be very interesting to see if uh, it's not so much that Asriel is going to be on the team to help save Bruce Wayne. Maybe he's just going to go about being Batman whilst the others are trying to save him. That's entirely I, possible. I mean, that's kind of his gig, right? Like yeah, Batman's but... out of commission. Asriel shows up in the armor, um, which I, I like that this was Dan Waters too, because it continues that Asriel story that we've had. We got 10 eyed man also running around somewhere. So yeah. again, these these weird sections of Gotham coming together. Um, yeah, and this was uh, that, this was Liam Sharp on art, by the way. Yeah. So it's no surprise that final page looked particularly yeah. good. I mean, all of it looked fine. Don't get me wrong; it was a solid yeah. looking comic. But I felt like the coloring and the inks were especially good in that last page. Yeah. Well, and that's where it confused me because it felt like Liam Sharp in, in parts, but in other parts it didn't. Um, so that, that last page is very Liam Sharp. Uh, the last two pages, in fact, there's a lot of heavy shadow and like that. But in some of the other pages, like Azrael really pops with the red cowl and like the goldish kind of armor where it didn't feel like Liam Sharp. Well, it's interesting because so, he colored it himself. And yeah, I agree. It looks a little bit different to what he usually mm -hmm. colors. 
and I wonder if he was intentionally going for a different vibe than he yeah. usually does. Um, mm-hmm. I can definitely recognize the line work though, as as Liam yeah. Sharp, and I think maybe I just... it may it may have been a decision to simply make that final page pop in a way where it's like, yeah, you know, because everything else is fairly vivid, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. and any like, and even on that final page, the back of Azrael is the coloring yes. of the rest of the book, but yeah. the box that he's looking at, which has got the Batman outfit in it. Has got the different mm-hmm. coloring. It looks it's very, very different. And maybe that's kind of the point: is that it feels like oh, we're looking at a completely different level of thing now. So yeah, I don't know for sure. But yeah, no, I I really like that. Yeah, I wasn't expecting an Azrael story in here as one of the backups. No, and I thought I was done, and then I was like, wait, is this yeah. another thing after this? And it's only two mm-hmm. pages. Uh, but uh, Doctor Hurt apparently is going to be rearing his ugly head soon. I this whole time I'm like I recognize that 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 little domino mask, and then him talking about summoning and what that means, and we get like a linguistics, you know, lesson about where the word comes from and what it means and how it's something that was put into place. Like a summoning is is can be something that was put into place ages ago and now is coming to fruition, and I'm like, why does this guy why does this guy look familiar? And then at the end. When he says, you know, a whole lot of hurt, and you look over, and I was like, oh my god, it is. It's Doctor Hurt from Batman R.I.P. And I'm like, okay, so what's what's going on here? Is this more seeding for later? Is this, you know, so you have something to do with the organs, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know if he's saying this has something to do with the organs, but it, 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 he just he seems to have plans. He, he, he seems to think that Bruce Wayne's actually about to die, and if Batman's mm-hmm. actually going to die, then. Whatever concoction he's got brewing is is you know, he's going mm-hmm. to benefit from that. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm always a bit too minded on Doctor Hurt as a character. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the the larger concepts of like him, you know, like we've got this ancestor of Bruce Wayne who's also called yeah. Thomas Wayne, and like just, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, you know, yeah. Morrison went a bit crazy with Doctor Hart, yes. and I, I feel like I, I'm conflicted. I am very curious about the possibility of what he might be used for in this run. So, so yeah, when I think of Doctor Hurt, I think of someone that that because in the original story that Morrison based it on, he was a doctor that used this machine to try to replicate Batman, right? Uh, and and to me, in the hands of Ram V, that's someone that's also been poisoned by the idea of Batman. And because he's not Bruce, and he doesn't have that you know love from Alfred that we've seen to to form mm. him, we get somebody like Doctor Hurt, right? From the idea of being you know from an idea of a poisoned idea of Batman. And so at least that's what I'm taking from that page because he's talking about a summoning and something that's a long time coming. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, notably, this is Ram V that, that wrote this. He also did the mm-hmm. art, actually, funnily enough, but uh, it's only no, two pages. That's... No, that's... he didn't do the art, did he? Yeah, story and this art, is... Ram V. Oh, shoot. I just assumed the second name was... Uh... It's the lettering. I'm not a good reader. Um, wow, good good for Ram V. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. this is, the... is this the first taste of Ram V art? I can remember. I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's very moody. It's very mm-hmm. uh, shadowy. Um, I'm trying to think of someone to compare it to. It's got. Uh, I almost want to say just... uh, like David Mack a little bit. A little bit of that. A little bit. 
There was a, an artist that worked at one of the Return of Bruce Wayne books, too. Um, did a lot of Doctor Strange. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, it was the Pilgrim Batman issue of the Return of Bruce Wayne. God damn it. I'm have to look. Yeah, I'm not going to remember who, that, Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's who it reminds me of. Um, I'll find it. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of uh, X-Men. It's certainly not bad, though, uh, as Ram V's no. art. So I'm intrigued uh, by that. But I think the fact that Ram V wrote this little two-page at the end himself mm-hmm. does suggest to me that uh, that he's he's got plans for Dr. Hurt to factor into yes. the, the run. If not during this arc, then certainly maybe whatever arc follows uh, the current one. So mm-hmm. uh, interesting to see different people sort of all react to this like potential Batman being hanged. Which obviously is not going to happen. At least not completely literal well, anyway. At least maybe not Bruce getting hanged, but the idea of Batman. I can definitely see them trying to kill oh. an idea. Azrael is going to take the hit. He's going to be hanged. Uh, I, mm, I wouldn't be surprised. He, he, he kind of wants to be a martyr. He's the fall guy. Yeah. I'm going to find this Batman. It's just, none of, when I put in Pilgrim Batman, all I get is... Old, old stories. I'm not getting right. the one that I want. I'll Matt. find it. Ray, Ray Detective Comics. I'm, I'm giving this a nine. I really enjoyed this issue. Um, I don't know if I'll go quite as high as that, but I do really like yeah. the main story. I think the, the backups that I read are, are interesting, if not mm-hmm. necessarily as anywhere nearly as good as the main story. Uh, but I think it's probably still a, a good 8.5 from me uh, on mm. this one. But yeah, very good. Uh, Ram V's run but, continues to bear fruit. So, by the way, that artist I was trying to think of is Fraser Irving. Okay, I, I know yeah. that name. Yes. Yep. Very good. So there you go. Found it. All right, and no one cares anymore. You took too long. <laughs> so, well, we we were having a discussion. I had to look for it in in between words. Ah, uh, do better, Matt. Do better. It's all right. I don't want to cheer you up. Batman, no. Catwoman. Ugh. <laughs> I'll do that again, shall I? I need a clean intro for the for the split up version, Matt. Yep. <laughs> Batman Catwoman, the Gotham War, Scorched Earth, issue one, Chip Zarsky writing oh Anthony Howard writing with Mike Hawthorne and Nicola Shizmeja on Chime- yeah, Chimez we I went over how to look up this. It's Chimezja. So but yeah, yes. we'll just say that guy. Uh, is that a guy? I think so. I think it's Nikolai. Well, it's, Ni- well, it's yeah. Nikola, but I mean, I could see that being a guy's name. But, right. I, I, but you know, Nikola to me, the first day I think of is a, a lady, but... Right. I don't know. But I just don't know. You, you, you seem so sure is why, why I asked. Well, because I, I believe I looked it up, but now you have me doubting myself. I, mean, I don't know. So I, yeah. I made an assumption. Let's talk about this terrible book, and I'm glad that it's over. <laughs> oh, dear. So... Yeah, I hate to, you know, be... be I mean, so I didn't like the art. I'll just get that out of the way uh, first up. Yeah. Well, we, we that was established when Hawthorne did the first issue mm-hmm. um, of this, which I forget what it was called. Um, Battle Lines yeah. or something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd forgotten what that looked like, though, so this was a... <laughs> I won't say a na- nasty sounds a bit harsh, but it, it was an unpleasant surprise when I, when I saw yeah. this. Anyway, uh, so 
you know, it's kind of everything we've been saying. It's the fact that it's it's not really actually trying to do the concept justice. Instead, it's pivoted to this. So Vandal Savage is up to no good, and the Bat Family are all getting involved. The, the cliffhanger from last time was all the other villains with Batman tech coming down the street, and the big chunk of the first part of the issue is uh, Tim ends up next to them and gets kidnapped by them because he's overpowered and when they get the call in that something's going on uh the the batman selena the bat family they all go rushing in to to deal with it uh selena and bruce talk a little bit about the you know what's going on with vandal savage and that he wants the meteor and all that stuff but uh yeah they they they, they go off and jason's left behind because he can't fight anymore because he's He's, you know, every time he gets any adrenaline, the the the, the thing kicks in and he gets scared. <sighs> so they go off. Uh, well, at least they go off soon. Uh, Batman does a little bit of exploring first, looking for uh, what Vandal's been looking for in the in the mansion. Goes snooping around. Uh, there's this kind of interesting thing where, like, we've been saying, oh, maybe it's Zura and R that's responsible for all these really bad decisions Batman's mm-hmm. making and why he's acting out of character. But this book kind of goes out of its way to say, where Bruce says, no, it's not Zura and R, it's me, I'm making these choices. And then Zura and R is also saying in his head, yep, that was you. <laughs> Which yeah. feels to me like it's not trying to be like, oh, Zura and R is trying to convince them it's him making these choices. Right. This feels to me that Zarsky's telling us, no, 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 that's what makes this real and harsh is that Bruce is making these bad decisions. And I'm yeah. like, well, that just, your get out of jail free cards even been thrown away here. I, I hate it. I think, I just it's think it's Batman's acting out of character. Like this run even more in hindsight. Like the more we're learning, the, the more I can look back and go, okay, so if we're not building to that, what are we building to? I, I am in very much negative territory with this at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the Bat family is fighting the rogues and uh you know you know, action happens. There's it's yeah. potentially fun. The art kind of ruins most of it for me though, to be honest. Uh Selena's getting a chunk of the meteor off of one of her uh, guys that guys who who have betrayed her and are now working for uh, Vandal Savage. But uh-huh. uh which I guess we should mention that she's sort of being reflective here and realizing that you know, I, I taught these guys to be independent, but they've just went back to working for someone kind of, like, mm-hmm. invalidating a lot of what she was doing at the start of the story. Yeah. Which... It's, it's, they're always going to look out for themselves first, regardless. They have, there's no honor amongst thieves, you know? Yeah. So, I, I do say the one positive is this, is Venomized Professor Pig. That That's a look. Oh, did you enjoy that? Uh, yeah, that's kind. Of, that's kind of cool because he's already creepy, and it makes him worse. Give him muscles. You know? Yeah. So Batman and Selina, uh, because Selina follows the guy with the meteor, Batman's tracked the van that was at his mansion. They all end up at the observatory, which is where Vandal is. But when Batman mm-hmm. looks into this, basically, it turns out that he doesn't. Well, he wasn't putting the meteor back together because he thought it was going to give him more power. I mean, it probably will. But his yeah. main purpose is to use it as a homing beacon for a bigger meteor that's still in space. So now a meteor that will apparently destroy the entire east coast of the country is coming down to Gotham. So that becomes the new crisis to deal with uh, towards the end of the issue. And we get seemingly the sacrifice 
of Jason Todd. Jason Todd looks over at the Batplane when he hears that this, this meteor has to be taken out and kamikazes it into the meteor, which at least breaks it up into small enough bits that it doesn't do too much damage. There's like mm-hmm. one big bit that craters the observatory, but it's, you know, it could have been worse. So, yeah, I mean, look, if this story killed Jason, then that's something. <laughs> yeah, but who's who's with Bruce as he's looking into the void? There's, there's a hand. What void? Where, where are you, Matt? So, so after, you know, Selena falls into the pit, right, that's created from the meteor, right? And then they, a person comes over as Bruce is looking and saying, Selena, I'm so sorry. Or Selena, I'm sorry. I'm. And then it looks like Jason right there. I think it does look like Jason. Um, I think it's uh, just in his head. Was it? I don't know. I don't think so. Because I was also reading... I read a review of this. I don't very much read comic reviews. I, I'll be I honest. I make sure that I'll be it honest. wasn't just me. I thought this was Scandal next to him. Now I'm looking at it, it does look like it is Jason, but mm-hmm. what tells me that... I mean, is this supposed to tell me that he just like, ejected himself out of the plane or something? Like, yeah. I don't, uh... So, well, that, the reason I asked, because I, I was wondering what how you thought, because I read this initially and I thought, oh, Jason died, but there wasn't enough clamoring online about the death of a character, right? Like that tends to happen following an issue like this. And so I went and I read a, a review and even in the review, like, well, they can't even stick to the death of a character in there because he miraculously survives. And so I went back and I looked through and I was like, yeah, cause I thought that was, I thought that was one of the other bat family. And then you look how he's dressed and it's, it's clearly Jason. Like, I'm going to be honest. They are is they are plain enough that I legitimately just glossed over it and thought it was Scandal, who was already behind them. Because, yeah. you know, she, she says... Right? Uh, you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't supposed, supposed to, to supposed to be... And then I thought it was her... And admittedly, it makes more sense to this, Jason, now that I'm looking at it and thinking yeah. about it. But I legitimately left this issue thinking that he was at least supposed to be dead. Not that I thought it was going to stick. I was sure they were going to yeah. find a reason to have him not be but dead like- within a couple of issues, but... Yeah, but we can't even stick with it without him showing, like, oh, no, Jason's fine. You know, kamikaze into a meteor, and he, he miraculously survives, you know, so... Well, no, yeah. it's not miraculous. Just... It's not miraculous. If he ejected, he ejected, that's fine. I just don't think that this did a but good job don't... of actually showing this moment. But we don't, because, I've again, I've looked back over the, the art, and there's nothing that indicates anything besides he it hits him head on. Well, it, it explodes. Doesn't, it doesn't you know? need to though. Like it, it showing him being okay afterwards is just telling us enough. Um, really, I mean, it's a bit of a cheat. Maybe you can argue that, but it's not like other stories don't do these like things where it looks like someone dies and then it reveals they're okay afterwards, and you just sort of take it for granted that they got out of the way or or whatever. Like that's not necess- It's not a great idea but it's not a terrible one either yeah but just with the way that he's going it is a sacrifice type thing my bigger critique here is that because the art is so plain that i just kind of assumed it was someone else and moved on without a second Mm -hmm. thought that is the bigger critique here to me 
Yeah. Well, I just again, I thought I thought that's what it was. I thought that he he sacrificed himself, right? And then someone comes to comfort Bruce. I'm like, I can't really tell who it is, but that's whatever. Didn't even until I was like, wait, did Jason die? Like a couple days later. Um, well, even so, even when you so, yeah, told me this a minute ago, my first thought mm-hmm. was, oh, it's in his head. It's not really him. That was my first thought. Right. Right, but uh, yeah. So, because even afterwards, when Dick's talking to Bruce, he says, "You know, like what you've done to Jason." Uh, yeah. Like, which obviously just probably just means what he did to him in terms of the whole like taking away his ability mm-hmm. to like fight and stuff. But yeah. Um, it, I I read that initially as, "Oh, you did that, and then he got killed." <laughs> like he, that that got right. him killed because he had he felt like he had to prove himself. I don't know. I, I it was all just a bit messy here, and the art here is particularly mm-hmm. bad. I thought this scene where it was just yeah. Dick and Bruce talking and their civvies was was bad because I think the worst thing about this art is the faces, and because there's no masks and it is just regular people talking, mm-hmm. it really doesn't sit well with me. Um, and Bruce basically goes on saying how like. It should be Dick and Barbara training up the new generation of like bat heroes because he yeah. is just going to make people unhappy like him. Um, and Dick's trying to explain that him and Barbara are happy. Uh, right. And he's like, for how long? It's, it's all going to come crashing down eventually. Don't you worry about that. So he's, he's been. Well, he's like, yeah, I... yeah. Good. I was going to say he's been very nihilistic. I guess. Yeah, I was going to say is that he's like, you're only going to be unhappy if I train people. That I was like, well, no, Bruce. Look, look at us. Like we're family, we rely on each other. You you did good, you know, but but yeah, I just I'm not liking Zadarsky's Bruce like at all. No, like it's very and then, and coming from me, I know that doesn't seem to be a lot, but I have zero issues it, with. It's, it's not Bruce just you though. It, it it's every yeah. like, Ever since this run started, his Bruce has been gradually showing the cracks of just being someone yeah. I don't like, of being not being yeah. someone I like. And then on top of all that, right. the final scene where he goes to... Well, it's not even the final scene, actually. It's a little bit before that. But he after all this goes down, right, and they've solved the Vandal Savage thing, and he has his talk with Dick, he goes off to like find another Riddler cr- cr- a clue because Riddler yeah. contacted him. And he basically... like. Riddler brings up uh, the three Jokers, and Batman's like, oh yeah, I already know those three Jokers, and it's like, hey, remember that in Justice League 50? So, I, like, I can't argue that technically that is continuity, and technically they're not incorrect for doing it, but when Three Jokers, the book actually came out, it kind of felt like, you know what, even though this started in continuity, it kind of feels like it's been jettisoned to being this out a continuity story. So yep. I, I genuinely never expected it to ever, ever come up again in, like, main DC. I never thought it was going to yeah. come up again. And here we are, and for all places for it to come up, it's coming up in a Batman run where I'm already not liking the characterization of Batman, and I'm not liking a lot of the stories that are happening in it. And now you're doing the three Jokers thing? I want to know what Zdarsky thinks he can add to the three Jokers that... You know what I mean? Like, why why is that a scab you want to pick? You know? Like, what what was in that story that you think is worth telling? Like, is it is it tying into the whole Joker aspect from that uh, legacy issue? What was that? What did that end up being? Was that eight hundred? 
900. We're, we're, yeah. And, and they were playing with the idea of, you know, Joker manifesting in different realities. Is that what he's going to play with and tie it back? I, I, I don't know. And at this point, I don't care because I feel like Zdarsky has, has burned his goodwill with Batman with me. You know, Admittedly, I do think if you want to try and explain the original reveal that there's three Jokers um, mm-hmm. and you do it in continuity, I think the most acceptable way for me to do it would be to say that two of them are just jokers from another earth that have spent some time here but there is only one yeah. main joker that's been here the whole time like that would yeah. be like okay you know what that kind of cleans it up without it feeling like oh we're doing some crazy thing with those three different guys but i mean well i mean, I mean given that he's already playing with multiverse stuff it, it wouldn't surprise me if zarsky does that yeah. if that's what the explanation is i don't yeah. know um yeah and then it seems like selena gives him a thumb drive although they hide her mm-hmm. so much in this page, like in Shadows, that I'm not convinced it actually is her, except for the fact that her narration comes in, which I... So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I, I just, I thought this was such a weird page because she's just this little figure up in the roof and Bruce is like, oh, it's Cat. Yeah. He, he jumps up, right? He goes up to her with a zip line. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, they're hiding her so much, like, this has to turn out to be someone else. But then Selena's mm-hmm. narration comes in and I'm like, okay, well, why are you obscuring her so much then? I, I just, it felt weird to me. Yeah. Uh, I definitely thought I thought that Zdarsky and them were, were playing off of the whole rooftops, you know, from from Tom King and all that type of stuff, because that's where their meeting up at. And they're, you know, why why do you run? It's because you chase me. Oh, yeah, that's not, how I took it. The location is fine, know? but it's the execution. It's the, it's the the choice of like how to frame it. Keeping her in complete shadow. Yeah, it just it was like it was like, yeah, it was just weird. They never showed a, a one panel where it was clearly her just to, I don't know, mm-hmm. it, it was very strange. Uh, and then <laughs> the final scene is that one of the criminals who Selena trained in this story is robbing another rich person. And he's like, yeah, yeah, this is the way forward. It's better. That, you know, Riddler might pay more, but this is safer. And you get some, get, get a good payday very quickly, blah, blah, blah. And then he opens a door and he goes, holy crap, Bruce Wayne is Batman. So the, the twist here to this scene, and this is probably the best scene in the whole issue because it's actually quite simple and it works for what it is. Is that it's like he's robbing a rich person. Oh, the twist is he's actually robbing Bruce Wayne's uh, like apartment, and he's found a bunch of yeah. Batman stuff. So, I presume he's going to use this in a forthcoming arc that some um, random criminal has figured out who Batman is. Well, there's that, and and as we know, people that find out that Bruce is Batman that aren't supposed to know, they're not long for this earth, right? Like, what happened to that cop in Detective Comics? You know, instant. So th- this guy's living on borrowed time. True, true. Uh, that was well yeah. told, though. So I, <laughs> I don't have a problem yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, this was just like this is the first thing I read this week, just to get it out of the way. And I was like, ugh, I don't want to read anything else right now. It really put a bad taste in my mouth, you know. Uh, it just which, which yeah. so so many of the characters. I mean, I guess the one part that's okay is that when Tim gets free of the villains, he basically is able to like direct everyone else to easily defeat them because he knows like how to like, get around all of their powers or technology it's like okay that's a nice little moment for tim to show that he's very you know mm-hmm. well read he's he studied all these villains he knows right. their weaknesses he's yeah he's the mental aspect of batman still right he's he's the heir to the detective aspect you know so him him being able to kind of feel general them around to defeat the these guys using batman tech they maybe don't quite understand you know, 
Um, but yeah, it was that was okay, I guess. You know, and again, Venomized Professor Pig. That that's a cool look. I my problem is, is that all uh, these villains just felt shoehorned in here. They they, they it, there, there was one small scene a couple of issues ago setting up that they were at a meeting, and then last issue it's yeah. like here. I'm going to set you loose on the city. Here's all this bat tech. Again, this was supposed to be a storyline that was going to put the ideals of Batman against someone who was offering an alternative that actually seemed like a good idea, but just one that he didn't yep. agree with and maybe explore the, the debate there, right? That like I can see yep. a really good ideological debate storyline about mm-hmm. what it was supposed to be. Instead... It was a lot of out of character nonsense for the first couple of issues, and then oh, it's actually about Vandal Savage and a giant meteor. <laughs> like, and yeah. also here's, a, here's like here's like six other Batman rogues who are just going to fight the Bat Family in the background for the final issue. It just it's so much of it feels yeah. like just time wasting to me. I don't know. I... Yeah, I, and I don't hate those ideas in a vacuum. I don't know why they needed to be in the same story. You know, no, like, I don't understand why Vandal Savage coming in and taking, you know, control of Wayne Manor during this time. Like why, why they thought that was a good idea to get away from the Batman Catwoman thing, you know, cause that's what the Gotham war was supposed to be to me. They, not, not they, Batman they, rogues wearing bat gear. The only thematic link I can think of with the whole Vandal Savage thing is that Vandal Savage is maybe losing his power. Cause it's been so long since the meteor originally yeah. first came down that he's trying yeah. desperately to cling and still be who he's who he thinks he's supposed to be and maybe that ties into batman trying to still be who he is supposed to be but i think the problem with that is that i feel like the story of batman starting to struggle has been more in detective comics so i don't even know if that's yeah. as relevant to what jarsky's been doing i mean it's definitely came up yeah. it's definitely came up that he's you know he's, he's not as spry as he used to be but shoot you know anything about in detective comics I don't know how Bruce is going to get out of the, the organ thing. He has that robot hand. Robot hand will save him. I hope the robot hand doesn't come up in Detective. As far as I'm concerned, that's already not canon. Yeah, I know. I, the look on your face when I brought up robot hand. You look very angry. <laughs> I, just, uh, I, I just... God, this run's been... Like, and, 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 yeah, I just... I'm shocked with how much it's, it's swan died. Like, I... Well, because the the because Batman stuff early on in this run, him you know during the fail safe stuff, that's that's whatever. This is just not even like good to read, you know. Nah, this has been a rough crossover. None of us were looking forward yeah. to it. It did not look good, Mm-mm. but it has basically lived up to the expectations. But maybe not in the ways that we thought it would. It's it kind of surprised. Like, I thought it was just going to be mediocre and like the characters were going to feel a bit off. Yeah. We got that, but we also got, oh, it's actually about all this other stuff instead, and none of that was that interesting either, so. Mm-hmm. All right, what are you rating? Uh, whatever this is called. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving this a three. Matt, on your scale, that's like a negative two. That is pretty dire. Yeah, that's how uh, much I didn't like it. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm at, at, I... Yeah. I'll go with a. I'll go with a. I'll just agree with the three. I was tempted to go as high as a four, yeah. but I'll. Yeah. You know what? I don't want to be the no, one who's positive. Heart, we were, we're... 
Yeah, like the art in the last couple pages, I think that's the Chemestia uh, art because it does, there's a stark difference. But that, that wasn't enough to for me to give it a four. You know, the Hawthorne art just wasn't, wasn't yeah. working. Yeah, I didn't like the Hawthorne art at all. Don't like the story, don't like the characterization of these characters. Um, I was flat out confused by a death, apparently. I didn't even realize I was confused yeah. by that until we started talking about it and you were like, hey, isn't that Jason still alive? I was like, oh, I guess it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there you go. That's uh, Batman, Catwoman, Gotham, War, Scorched Earth, issue one. That was the name of it. I had to check because I didn't remember. All right. Yeah. Supergirl special issue one, Mariko Tamaki writing and Skylar Partridge on the R. So this is kind of exciting because this is Tamaki returning to Supergirl. She did the Being mm-hmm. Super miniseries way back in the early days of Rebirth, one of the best books of that year when it came out. And that was a very much out of continuity, kind of like different take on Supergirl. This is her writing Supergirl in present day DC continuity. And that's kind of cool to see what she would do with that. Yeah. So I'm hoping this is maybe a, a test to see if we should maybe get more with her doing Supergirl. I'd be kind of all game for I that. hope so, because if this team, uh, if, if Tamaki and, and Patridge are doing a Supergirl book, I'm, I'm going to be there for sure. Um, yeah, I, I was pretty into this. Um, I think the art style works very well with Tamaki's very laid-back approach. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is that Tamaki is tends to be a very quick read because she does not overstuff speech bubbles she does not overstuff narration it flows very well and quickly so despite the fact that this was another 40 page you know annual size book i was through this in no time it it, it went by it it read very quick and i went back and got to look at the action scenes again because as you're going through just to really take them in and that's why i wanted to shout out the artist too because patrick it feels like um it does feel like being super without being i'm drawing a blank on the artist um joel jones that did being super joel jones thank you yeah Yeah. um it it feels very reminiscent of joel jones the the inks aren't as heavy right and the lines aren't as as angular yeah it feels in the same family of art and so to really you know keep that kind of vibe from being super actually just to go with uh, something i was saying earlier i was complaining about the flat art and that backup and detective mm -hmm. this is also a very flat style but um, mm-hmm. You know, flat in general is not a critique. It's just that no. certain styles, the way they do it, because, you know, the faces here are very flat. There's no shadowing, and there's there's yeah. detail in the eyes and the nose and the mouth, but there's not a lot of, like, you know, a lot, some artists will do a lot of shading and, like, lines to represent the yeah. cheekbones and, like, how the face is screwing up. This isn't doing that, but it's, it works very well because it, it has this kind of more... I don't even know what to say. There's, there's more of a kind of a, a pretty quality to it, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Where you've got a Supergirl hanging out with the Super Twins, and it sets up this idea that at least the media are trying to spin that there's a rivalry between her and Power Girl. <laughs> with a, yeah. uh, it's like, oh, Battle and of the it, Super Blondes. Yeah, and it doesn't help that Kara's been kind of up in her head the last couple times that we've seen her, right? Yeah. So just, just the fact that, you know, she seems very distant isn't helping her cause that she doesn't like uh page so yeah the, the, uh, i like i like that's where it started off yeah they're going through a whole media thing where they're trying to really play up this rivalry and mm-hmm. you can see that she's you know she's kind of distanced like you know we, we get this great scene where she's with the rest of the super family and they're all ha- grabbing food and debating what to watch while they're eating 
and she's just kind of sitting there in the middle and the, the it's, you know the panels are going in closer to her uh, uh mm-hmm. like she's just sort of like you know in, in, a, in a trance like everyone else is moving around her and she's not really yep. engaged uh, it's actually john who tries talking to her and shows her the uh the thing that clark made for the twins so it's very much in continuity yep. um mm-hmm. but uh you know that's doohickey and you know this makes her go kind of quiet as well and john's asking her about what she was talking to the kids about and she's like oh they were asking me you know what it was like on krypton and he's like okay what did you say and she's like you know i don't really know like i remember what it was what it looked like i remember like but it kind of has this it almost feels like she's got like a imposter syndrome a little bit right and that would also tie into the fact that there's a second type of supergirl kicking about that would add to this idea of imposter syndrome. But even on Krypton, yeah. as we get in these flashbacks, as she's thinking about them, is that, you know, she she was in these races. She, she ran track. And mm-hmm. it shows that she was very, very good. She was out ahead. But as we see later on, she did not win the race. This other girl named Elsa was able to sneak out a victory. Mm-hmm. And it gets to this idea where she feels like she's got this uh, insecurity that she always... Whenever she wants to try really hard to be the best, she always stumbles and fails. And this happens, of course, in the present day stuff when they're out saving people. There's a big fire. This building is mm-hmm. going to collapse. And all the supers are flying about doing stuff. And she goes up to catch this part of the building that's falling. There's, a, there's someone screaming on the roof. And yep. Power Girl sort of flies up as well and sort of zooms past saying she's got this and Kara actually grabs her foot says no I've got this instead now yeah. don't get me wrong I do think Power Girl's been a bit of a shithead for saying no I'll get it like flying past her that's a bit weird uh, although maybe it does indicate that Kara's not flying as fast as she normally would maybe she's a, a little off uh, so I I took this more as because she doesn't really see the big chunk coming down right Hmm. Uh, she's so just Kara is so distracted about quote-unquote winning with power girl that she just speeds off and to me Paige was going to get the 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 big chunk to free up Kara to get to the roof right okay okay. because of what because of what Tamaki's telling us about Kara not thinking and you know, she gets up in her head too much and every time she tries too hard she stumbles, this is where it really pays off. Uh, and so it just shows that she's she's at fault for her own actions here. Um, which I thought yeah. is told really, really well because the pacing here on this page where they have the diagonal lines cut in there. Yeah. Um, no, honestly now I'm reading the rest of the page, I think you're right. I think I think Power Girl was going specifically for the, the big slab of concrete that was coming down because uh, the mm-hmm. way she because it's not even like she notices afterwards she just says you know no. what are you doing look above you yeah. uh, and then yeah. so, so Kara just missed something effectively and yep. you know uh, it falls on her and the other supers have to come in and help her and she feels let down and that's when we get the end of the flashback where she finally lost the race uh, but specifically lost because she tripped right before the finish line mm-hmm. um, so you know, it really sets up that she's feeling down about all this stuff, and you know, she she goes home and uh, Lois shows up with some cupcakes to try and cheer her up, um, and mm-hmm. to, you know, try and help her. And she, I think, what I liked about this is that it felt like from the start of the issue, it's like okay, Kara's going through something, and the, the issue's got a purpose to it, and it's to address that she is depressed, and that's what Lois says. Like yeah. cupcakes help with depression, 
And she's like, wait, am I depressed? And she's like, are you? Are you? <laughs> you know, she's yeah. been very yeah. kind of, you know, gentle about how she approaches it. But yeah. um, and then we see that Kara's an absolute maniac and eats cupcakes by the two by taking one, turning it upside down and putting it on top of the other cupcake. So the icing smushes together. Okay, so I thought, no, this is two cupcakes. Yes. Because I thought she was taking, because there's this, there's this internet hack, right, where you're supposed to eat cupcakes by opening it up, ripping off the bottom, right, and sandwiching them together like that. And that's what I thought she was doing. But now that I look at the art, that, I mean, no, that is two cupcakes. I mean, if that's meant to be the bottom half of that cupcake, that was a very tall yeah. cupcake. <laughs> yeah. No, you're... You're absolutely right now, but I just, I, I, you know, shortcut wise, I'm like, oh, she's doing the whole rip the cupcake, which I've never seen anybody eat a cupcake like that. So, you know, and more, more power to you. I don't, I tend not to eat cupcakes. No, to anyways. be fair, later so, on, Power Girl does it that way. She rips the bottom half of right. the cupcake off. But I, I took that as it's because they're both Kara, right? They're both, they're similar and despite being different, right? And that's the Kara way to do it, you know, um, that, that's all I took that as. But you're right, like a maniac, that's how she eats cupcakes. You know, now I'm looking at I think it is one ripped in half. It's just really tall. Yeah, see? But the Look at art, the art here... Like, yeah, like... The, the, the art here, though, it looks like it's... She's still unwrapping this one cupcake. Yeah. Here, where I, says look, she, well, in my defense, I've right. never heard of this stupid yes. thing. Why do people yeah. do this? So it's, it's to try to contain the icing more than anything. Uh, you essentially end up making a cupcake sandwich type deal. Um, okay, yeah. that, this just, is again, complete news to me. So it, I, I yeah. never occurred to me she was ripping it in half. Google Google how to eat a cupcake and you'll, you'll see. Okay, very weird. All right. Um, it is. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Weird, weird thing to miss, but all right. Um, um, uh, I also want to address to you, you, you kind of breeze by it where – Kara and, and Paige are talking and she goes, you know, I'm not your therapist or no. She says, I don't need another therapy session. Thanks. And he says, good. I'm not your therapist playing into the whole, you know, uh, power girl mini. But she also says, I saw that place you go to escape. I know that place just as well as you do, Kara, that place that you go, it's not real. Right. So it's also, again, Tamaki really stating the fact like, yes, they're, more similar than they are different, you know, uh, and that if, cause in the power girl book that we're, that I've been reading, right. Paige feels very much the same as Kara is here, right. She kind of feels what's her purpose and where does she fit in, in the family? Right. So just the fact here that both of them are so up in their head, they don't realize that they can kind of rely on each other. Right. And so, um, I like that that's being addressed here. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still obsessing over the dimensions of this cupcake. Uh, see if you compare it to the page before. The bottom half of it still looks as tall yeah. as the as it was when it was full. So yes, you know, I, Pete. Again, I, uh, I I don't like to say this that often, but you were right, right? Because it does look like two cupcakes, right? It does. It looks like two cupcakes. Look, I've never heard of this splitting in half, so it never even occurred to me that she was doing that. Right? It was more clear in the later yeah. page when Car uh, when Karen does it because it, you can see the tear. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, the detail is slightly there if you're looking closely for it, but because I've never heard of this practice, it never even occurred to me. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I knew I wasn't crazy. But yes, fair enough. She wraps the cupcake in half. Uh, 
which is still weird to me for the record but uh she yeah. uh so she starts talking about um you know okay like she she feels like she's always too late for things and she always fumbles and it kind of wraps back into her origin story but in a kind of an interesting way because it's not just oh you know i'm still sad because i left krypton and krypton's dead because you know supergirl stories often play with that because yeah she remembers it and it's a fair thing to do but you know we've done it a lot what i thought was interesting here is that this is more about the fact that she was supposed to get here and look after clark but now that she's starting to feel like she's failed at a lot of things and that she's always like showing up late this is literally the biggest example of her showing up late to something Mm -hmm. she was meant to come and protect her baby cousin and she arrived and he was you know 30 or or whatever age he was yeah so like this that the idea that that's just like this big huge gaping example of something she you know and that may even gave her this complex in the first place where she's you know Mm -hmm. now constantly worried about being late uh in that sense it definitely reinforced that you know yeah so yeah um and lois gives her some some advice she says hey like Clark didn't need you to be this guardian, right? You showed up when you did and became the thing you need to be and just says Supergirl and there's like, you know, a shot of her, her symbol mm-hmm. uh, at the bottom of the page. But yeah, they hug goodbye. Uh, Power Girl shows up and says, uh, will you offer me a cupcake? And Kara says, you can have one of the vanilla ones. And Karen says, rude. Now... Right, so I have two minor nitpicks in the art then. I think the art looks very nice. But one is Cupcake Gate, which we've already talked about and established. Uh, The second part here, which I guess is also Cupcake Gate, is that she says you can have one of the vanilla ones. But correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to go back to the previous page, right? They're all the same color. There is no indication Uh in the colors that there are more than one flavor of Cupcake here. (laughs) No. And it's not like they even colored them to make the icing different colors. So you could hypothetically say, oh, well, the, the white ones are vanilla and the pink ones are strawberry, right? Yeah, that'd be fine. Like, that would be fine, yeah. They That's, are the same. It's all it needs. But they all look the same color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I thought the same thing, too. As mm. I was like, wait, so this is supposed to be a dig that you can't have one of the good ones. You get one of the vanilla, the plain. It's like, they all look plain. So, uh. You know, and it's not like she was making a ride joke, right? It's, you know, Paige follows up with Rude. Yeah. You know, so... Which, yeah. and for the record, vanilla gets a bad rap. Like, good vanilla is very tasty. Mm-hmm. Okay? It simply yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. People look well, at it as the, about, like... as the plain one, yeah. and it's like, no, no, no. If you get good vanilla ice cream, it's really good. Yeah. yeah well, and, and it can help accent things too, right? Like, yeah, I don't yeah. want a chocolate... I don't want, like, chocolate... In my Sunday, right? Chocolate ice cream. It's going to be too rich and there's too much other things going mm, on. Mm. Vanilla is a nice base for that type of stuff. Um, like, I'll take a chocolate milkshake. That, that's a little bit different. But yeah, no, vanilla. But when it comes to cupcakes and stuff, too, vanilla is kind of plain. You know, it's, it is kind of the, no, I mean, I think the last have, picked, if you will. I think you have vanilla with like just a light bit of chocolate sprinkle. You know, just a, just a little accent mm-hmm. of a flavor on top of it as opposed to, you know, an intense thing. Kind of like, yeah, a, yeah. like a, a, a chocolate chip cookie versus a double chocolate chip cookie. I typically prefer the regular mm-hmm. chocolate chip cookie because I feel like just the hint of chocolate is yeah. nicer than just, oh, everything's ultra chocolatey the entire the thing. The full. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. The death by chocolate, we're, if we're you We're getting will. into uh, yeah. another debate. Uh, so, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so when they, they get in here, right, um, Paige, Paige is like, hey, do you want to know what the security guard said when I saved him, when I put him in the ambulance? And Kira, of course, wants to know. And she goes, thanks, Supergirl. You're my favorite. Right. So even in this whole idea that they're supposed to, you know, the media is pitting them against each other. You know, the people that they're saving aren't noticing. Right. They just see a blonde super family member and assume that it's Supergirl. If anything, this uh, would probably should, have a good that, laugh about this that. This should give a Power Girl a complex that she's just going to be constantly yes. mistaken for Supergirl. <laughs> and I think that's what Tamaki's talking about is like, look, we're, we're all on the same team here. Right. So, you know, we if I'm going to be mistaken for you, you know, that's that's not bad because you're Supergirl. You know, that's how I took it here, because they, they have a laugh about this, you know, because and she says, you know, why is it so funny? And Paige goes, well, you know, being a hero is not easy. And sometimes you have to laugh about things, you know, so it really just kind of drives at home that they're on the same team. You know, at the end of the day, they, they shouldn't be competing with one another. They, they should be supporting one another. And I, I liked overall that message of this book here, uh, with these two especially. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, basically it just ends with them shaking hands and um, uh, Paige says, you know, you're my favorite too. And uh, Kara says, don't tell John, uh, which yeah. is... Yeah, I don't know. Funny. I like, it. I like these. I like these personal dynamics in the super family. You know, seeing the super twins in the beginning just be their, you know, preteen, rambunctious selves, right? Kind of setting Kara off on this this head trip uh, just by asking questions. Well, no, I, I'm just. You know? I think it's uh, interesting because it, it implies that John would feel slated that he's not Power Girl's yeah. favorite. Oh, that's just interesting. Right. John has never John really been pre- a... presented that way before. Yeah. 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 And it's not, it's not, and I'm not saying it's a problem. It's not presented as a serious no. thing. They're, they're just kind of joking around no. when they say it. So it's not a big deal, but it, they've never True. really presented John that way before. So I just thought it was interesting to sort of put that yeah. little, uh, that little sort of, you know, slightly vain tidbit in about John that he, he would, yeah. he would be a little miffed <laughs> per se if, if uh, that uh, yeah, ever mean... came up. <sighs> And he is friends with Damien, right? So maybe some of that rubbed off on him. He, has, he, he assumes he's everybody's favorite super family member. He is the son of Superman, you know? Uh-huh. Like biological. So. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean. But no, I, this was a nice, light, fun read. Like, um, you know, I, I would like a Supergirl book on the stands. I know we have Power Girl right now. But, you know, if this was like a, if this was like a test for Tamaki and, and Patridge to do an ongoing or at least a mini uh, i hope it i hope enough people saw it uh, yeah i liked it quite a bit i think tamaki's just got such a good voice for supergirl and i like that immediately mm-hmm. it, it feels like it's got something to say it's, it's supergirl's going through something and she wants to actually explore what that is and i love as well mm-hmm. that it ties into this idea of the media pitting two women against each other because it's something the media does mm-hmm. all the time everything has to be a rivalry mm-hmm. everyone everything has to be oh, if there's two women in a group, then they must hate each other, yeah. they must fight each other, they must be whatever. And I love that yeah. she's playing on that misogyny by actually having it sort of happen to Supergirl and Power Girl and do something mm-hmm. with it. Uh, so I, I like that. I like also the idea that Kara has a bit of a complex about 
not being as good as she's supposed to be because you know she feels that she's lost in little ways Mm -hmm. like losing her race in her childhood but even in bigger sense being here late for clark when she was supposed to take care of him um and then making a fumble in the field because she is depressed and i think this tackling the idea Mm -hmm. that one of the super family is kind of depressed when it's not like mm-hmm. they're a moody character. Like you know, it's, this is not like someone who's in the Bat family, where you may understand why right. oh, they're in gloomy Gotham all the time. I like that this mm-hmm. is dealing with a character who has got a good environment around them, who doesn't necessarily have an obvious reason to be depressed. Because the truth is, is that anyone in any position can be depressed. And tackling a character oh. like this being depressed, I think, is a, a positive uh, message. So I like yeah. all that stuff, and right. it's good. Yeah, and, and on top of it, it feels like she has that kind of young person, what am I going to do with my life kind of vibe, too. And that's also what might be kind of making that, that feeling of depression worse because she kind of feels aimless, right? She, she doesn't know what her spot in the world is. So it's nice that, you know, Lois, who not, a, not quite a mother figure, but let's say big sister type, is the one to reach out to her and be like, hey, you, you seem off. Let's just have a talk. You know, here, I brought cupcakes. You know, so I like that that dynamic uh, coming into play here, too. That even even super someone in the super family needs someone to talk to. So, but yeah, it's a very very fun book. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's always interesting as well. Just seeing having Kara and Lois have some kind of a relationship. Even seeing John and Kara mm-hmm. have like talking a little bit is not something mm-hmm. we see that often. Um, so it's fine. And yeah, I want a Supergirl book. I would love Tamaki to be the one writing that Supergirl book. Um, I know there's a Power Girl book, but I didn't really care about it. Partly because mm-hmm. I don't really care about Power Girl that much, if I'm completely honest. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll see. Uh, what are you rating Supergirl Special Issue 1? I'm going to that's an 8.5. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to give it the 8.5 as well, so... Uh, there you go. That is a uh, Supergirl special issue one. City Boy issue five. Greg Pack and Mike Choi on art. This is from a couple of weeks ago, but we had a busy week then and a quiet week now, so we're doing yep. it now. <laughs> so that's uh, what's mm-hmm. happening. Uh, so the cliffhanger of the last issue was that Swamp Thing was about to enter the story. Yeah, yeah make his presence known. And sure enough, that is indeed what happens. Uh, there's basically this idea we get a little bit of a flashback to start with with uh his mother not being very good with him uh but city boy is out he's he's left the city he's out in a forest or wherever try to be away from cities because he doesn't want to affect any more cities he doesn't want to Mm -hmm. you know create this city that dark side wants so he thinks oh i'll get away from any city i'll go out in the wilderness into the rural areas and i'll just stay there and then what he discovers, whilst he's sort of like, basically kind of having a bit of a panic attack as he's trying to control his powers, is... Yeah, he's, it, he's it start- starts off as him trying... Go ahead. <laughs> is, is, my de- step, yeah. is the delayed Skype worse today or something? I feel like you keep stopping yeah, and starting. It, there's, a, there's, there's a half step today for whatever reason. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like there's so many sentences where I stop to let you talk and then there's like an extra pause as you're... I'm waiting, like, All right, Matt, yep. come on, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's why, and then I go to talk, and, and you're talking still, and then I feel bad. Uh, so, anywho, so basically, what happens is is that City Boy starts manipulating 
uh, an anthill. It's like the city of ants still counts, right? It's not mm-hmm. just a, a human city. It's this city that's created by animals. And it actually ends up creating a giant ant out of the, the, the sand hill, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so this can even happen with that. And of course, it's Swamp Thing who comes in and kind of puts a stop to it. I mean, he gets stabbed at first, to be fair, but he's Swamp Thing, so <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Uh, it's not a big deal. But uh, basically, Swamp Thing's coming to see if, like, City Boy needs to be taken out. Like, you know, you might destroy the Parliament of Trees, you might destroy everything with these powers. Mm-hmm. And I love that he brings up uh, the Parliament of Gears. He brings up, you know, metal and the machines and all that and mm-hmm. says, you know, I've encountered these things before, but you don't really fit into that because you affect both natural and unnatural cities. You affect man-made cities, but you also affect, you know, an ant city. So it's it's different than the idea of, like... Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like the idea that he's manipulating or giving form is one that is created by a group in terms of them creating a society as opposed to yep. the physical stru- even though he's manipulating literally the, f- the physical structures when he makes the, the objects mm-hmm. and things it's, it's less about that that, for- that makes it a city and more about the community that makes it a city uh, so yeah. uh, but it ends up being a bit of a therapy session with Swamp Thing kind of like okay I can tell you don't actually want to cause damage like that's because at first he's like I have to stop you but then it's like clear mm-hmm. no you actually don't want to like harm anyone you don't want to create cities you're trying to avoid it so let's talk about this because i can control the green and you know maybe maybe he can help him but, but i was gonna say him him sitting out there it says he's like seven miles from bloodhaven right and he's just it's this moment that he's trying to find peace and even in that trying to find peace it causes him panic right because he's up in his head he's having these memories of his mom right and it's not what he thought it was you know, she's yelling at him and, and all this other stuff. And then he starts to realize, like, well, is it me? Am I bad? Am, am I why this this power is coming out this way? You know, and and that's what makes, you know, that's what makes him realize about the anthill and him being able to, you know, touch yeah. that city. That's you know, the emotional hook of the issue is that he's mm-hmm. been trying to, like, convince himself that he's not bad because he once heard the idea mm-hmm. that, you know, people aren't bad, they just make bad decisions or they've done some bad yep. things, but it doesn't make them bad. And he wants to believe that because he has this, you know, this mm-hmm. idea that he is bad. Um, and this all comes together at the end because when he does let the emotions get the better of him and the city starts to form and it seems like the apocalyptic city that might be built is starting mm-hmm. to form and the uh, the the intergang scientist is saying yes be bad be the be the person i know mm-hmm. you are create the city it's almost like oh it's coming to pass and the reason why this all happens of course is because swamp thing tries to help him with finding out where his mum is um basically yep. he's like hey you know touch grass is literally what he says uh which was, <laughs> yeah, was him making kind of a funny. joke but he he shows him using the green to find out what happened to his mum and it didn't look good last time because it felt like, wait a minute, this is when the nuke went off in Bloodhaven, yeah. so, you know, it may not be a happy ending here. And sure enough, they find out that uh, the mom and her new, like, husband and child were w- mm-hmm. out in this wooded area waiting out whatever was going on at the time. And they did, in fact, die when the nuke went off and there's, like, a memorial, mm-hmm. like... Uh, to, not a tombstone but like a yeah it's like a memorial plaque 
out yeah. here in the forest. And this is like a shock, and it's like, it, it has a kind of interesting direction to take this in, is that now he can never have the confrontation with her. He can never really have the answers that he wanted to ask. He has to just kind of live with this. It feels like kind of a ballsy move to not give the character that closure. And I think it's interesting. Yeah. But obviously, in terms of the immediate plot, it makes him very emotional. And that's what starts to manipulate everything where all of a sudden right. uh, the, the the nearby structures start to all form together and the edge of the forest and the roads all start to kind of come together to become something. And it just ends with Intergang saying to sort of looking on and being like, yes, Cameron, yes, my good boy. So uh, yeah. I, I think what I've been impressed about with this book is that you know, it was a lot to take in for that first issue or two as it was setting up like what the characters' like powers were and how they worked and whatnot. I think it has gotten better as it's went along because uh, these last two issues, I feel like, have been really honed in to what the character's emotional journey is and the idea that he's fighting these like emotions. I, th- I think ultimately the lesson or what I expect to happen by the end of his story would be that he learns to control it and uses it when he wants to for good, but doesn't let it, yeah. doesn't let it overcome him. It's more something he is able to actually keep in check, but we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. Yeah. Cause a lot of his trauma seems to come around the mom. And now that he knows, like, cause this whole thing that, you know, he says is, is he's losing control of his emotions is like, it can't end like this. I have so many questions. Right. And that's, you know, it's just something he's going to have to learn how to deal with. Uh, and so that, that is, like you said, that is kind of a ballsy choice here for this new character that, yeah. you know, um, that we don't, we don't know too much about is, you know, there's always places that we can inform this, right. It's, it is comics. We can, you know, get around it. But the idea for Pac to have, like, this guy won't get closure, at least not yet. Uh, pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a bold move. Um, on the art, obviously, Troy's art's been pretty consistent. Uh, but I mm-hmm. did especially like when Swamp Thing sort of takes him into the green and we get just kind of the green kind of lines of, like, connecting to, like, the, yeah. the buildings and the, the leaves coming out of the brick wall and stuff like that. I thought that looked really cool. And then, of course, there's that panel mm-hmm. where the nuclear bomb is going off behind them. Uh, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's very different. Uh, gives it a nice different look. It actually kind of looks like it might even be a slightly different artist, or at least different coloring on those pages. Yeah. Because the face is cause... shaded very differently, I think. Yeah. There's almost... Yeah, there's... We, we said flat a lot on this issue, but these these are this is a very flat coloring style. Yeah. So maybe it's just the coloring that's different. Yeah, I'm just you know? looking to see. Um, wait a minute. Oh, okay, interesting, actually. So there is two artists. Um, so okay. it's Minkayu Zhang, and then it says underneath, Mike Choi, artist of the In the Green sequence. That's interesting, because normally it says pages so-and-so yeah. to so-and-so, but it's actually titled the yeah. sequence here instead. Uh, forgive me, I was going off League of Comic Geeks, which just told me uh, the one name. Yeah. But uh, fair enough. Um so yeah, that's a different artist. That's fair. Uh, yeah. In that case, I, cool. I, I mean, I, I keep the praise that I, I gave, but I'll also praise Young for the consistent art elsewhere. Uh, yes. Because you know, there's a lot of fun. Because you know, when Swamp Thing's like p- taking on the big ant, that's that's kind of fun. Uh, there's a lot of detail mm-hmm. in Swamp Thing. You know, that full page spread where Swamp Thing sort of like grabbed uh, City Boy with a vine, and he sort of got him upside down. There's a lot of detail in some of these mm-hmm. big pages. So 
It's uh, not low effort at all. No. Well, and I like the differences in the Swamp Things, right? So in the green, he's got a more kind of woodsy appearance, almost like in um, like almost in Rambee's uh, Swamp Thing versus outside in, in the regular. He's, he's a lot more bushy and kind of mossier. So I do like the distinction in the art for Swamp Thing here. Uh, which is which is nice, but yeah, man, this is just with each issue his his uh, origin, not even his origin, his whole vibe becomes more and more tragic. And my heart really goes out for this kid. Yeah, yeah, I guess because you, you, I guess it's meant to give you the vibe of someone who's kind of like if so, if a kid's abandoned and homeless, he's kind of left to the mm-hmm. streets, which is the city. So yeah. it's the idea that City Boy is this like abandoned child is kind of perfect yeah. in a way, but obviously it's a very sad story. Mm-hmm. But hey, uh, yeah. what are you rating City Boy issue five? I'm gonna give this a solid seven. Hmm. I'll go, I'll go as high as the eight. I thought it was really good. Uh, there you go. Right. Yeah. Thought that was good. So uh, there you go. Uh, all right, that'll take me on to uh, a Patreon book. Everyone to patreon.com slash TV can go to one of the higher tiers and make myself a Connor read a book of your choosing. Uh, so I am looking at American Vampire Second Cycle Issue 1. So we're finally on to this phase of the story. Um, there's a flashback to kick it off in 1811, which sets up, there's like a, a tribe on the Mexican territory of Arizona which uh they're waiting for like a scout to come back and like this horse comes back headless and the only thing on it is like a bag with the head of the guy they're waiting for <laughs> so uh, and the head starts talking to them so it's all ultra super horror movie stuff but uh yeah um it looks like there's like flying vampire like bats uh the, the art's very kind of like there's just like shadows in the sky uh, but there's like one panel of what looks like almost like predator cloaking tech, like uh, like bat arms coming down and grabbing someone. Um, so full on stuff. So I think there's what they're setting up here because it comes up later in the issue is uh, like a very old species of vampire. Because obviously we've got all the different species in this uh, in this book between the American, the Carpathian, and all that stuff. Um. So, uh, the main gist of the book, though, is it's 1965, and we're interested to a young girl who's running from, like, a... basically a lynch mob who are chasing her, and she ends up in this farm, and full-page spread out to sort of protect her is Pearl, although she's been going by Henrietta now, Henrietta Jones, and she's claiming to be the daughter of Pearl, because she's went back to Kansas where she's from... And she's like, yeah, Pearl was my mom and I'm Henrietta. And one of the guys here who's quite old even comments that she looks exactly like her mom used to. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, Henrietta well, Jones Jr. Yeah, a little bit of that going on. So she basically wards them off. And I was wondering, like, okay, why are they hunting this girl exactly? And, I, you know, a couple of theories were going in my head, you know, and the art here is gorgeous, by the way. All the orange is behind her. There's a scarecrow in the background. It was really good Halloween vibes, actually, uh, from this stuff. But yeah. it's because the little girl's a vampire. And what Pearl yeah. seems to be doing now is taking in, like, innocent good vampires who are being hunted and they're scared. Because she's a good vampire, so it stands to reason there's other good vampires, ones that don't want to kill right. people and so on. So that seems to be what she's doing now. 
Meanwhile, at the Texas and Mexico border, uh, Skinner Sweet is taking down, like, smugglers who are driving products between the, the border. Uh, he's coming up on his motorbike and just, like, killing the shit out of these guys who are driving a truck. In fact, he set up a ramp in the road so the truck will crash up into a bridge or whatever it is that's uh, going over the road. <laughs> And it's it's a really big sequence. Like the art here from Albuquerque is is fantastic. Like, all, all the stuff with Pearl and the little girl before in the field with the scarecrow was like Halloween vibes. This is like Skinner's on a motorbike. The guys in the truck are throwing out grenades at him, and then there's this big crash at the end. It feels like it feels like a big Hollywood action movie scene. Uh, very very over the top and big in all the best ways. Uh, and. Skinner demand well, Skinner kills one guy, he's about to kill the other, and the other's like begging, Hey, I'll tell you about another shipment that's even more valuable. It's it's not it's not guns, like because I think this truck's full of weapons. It's not even guns, it's something else, it's something more different. And he's like, Okay, fine, tell me. I assume he still kills him after he tells him, because he's Skinner sweet. Like I'm not expecting him to like just let him go. But uh we get Pearl, and this is actually quite interesting, is that both Pearl and Skinner, over a couple of two different two-page spreads, kind of recap their backstories a bit, and I think this is a genuine attempt to think that because this was relaunching as a new number one, you know, it was American Vampire Second Cycle, that there might actually be new people trying it. Um, the fact the name Second Cycle would make me think people wouldn't, but <laughs> they at least went out of their way here to give like recaps of like, Peril's backstory and who Skinner is, explain that he's an American vampire and he's got different weaknesses, that Peril's the same. They, they kind of go through that and it's it's framed around her telling uh, this young girl, or not even telling her, like I think the girl's asking these questions and then Peril in her narration kind of says, well, I'm going to tell her this and then like says all the truth to us, but isn't maybe necessarily giving her all the details. But yeah, uh, she takes her into this basement area where she's got like three other vampires. Where another one who's a kid, one who's a teenager, and one who's like a guy, and they're sort of getting to know each other. I have to let a cat out, Matt. So vamp for a second. Gotcha, vamp in a vamp book. Um, yeah. So Pete, Pete, let me know who's reading this today. And I haven't been to the shop in a couple of weeks. I've been reading everything digitally. Um, so. You know, I think by next man, next month I'll be able to join him in on this one. You Good know. vamping, Matt. Good vamping. All right, I vamped. Um, <laughs> so usually I'll just wait until Matt's saying something, but that wasn't going to happen at time soon, given he didn't read this book. No, not on this book. Uh, so yeah, um, basically the, all all these like characters who are here, they're all very friendly. Uh, that are living with Pearl, and they kind of establish that they're all different species of vampire. Like one's kind of a mongrel, one's um, a different kind and they're all showing off their different teeth and it Pearl's like trying to deduce what species this new girl is it's like okay you know what is she and she's got like a, like a family or like a species tree drawn out in the floor later on in the issue and she's basically thinking that you may actually be the oldest species of vampire that I've ever encountered and I think that's what the opening flashback in 1811 was kind of setting up, is that she's one of these species. Which doesn't necessarily mean she's going to be bad, but it just setting up that she comes from this line and that that's going to be relevant later on in some way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a much older lineage. 
Meaning she might sprout wings and start flying around if that flashback's mm-hmm. anything to go by. Uh, Skinner has got a hideout. Him and his old buddies back in the, the Wild West days actually had a train car like underground in the desert and that's where he's been living. And he goes in and he's, he's got this like skeleton that's there that he talks to. Uh, what's he called? He calls her Kitty. And he's like, do you miss me, Kitty? And he's and this is where he explains a lot of his backstory for possible new readers that might have uh, been mm. picking this up because it's an issue one. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and yeah, it serves as a pretty reasonable recap of, of, of all this stuff. Uh, but, um, yeah, the other big tease with the new girl is that when... Uh, Pearl goes to put her hand on her shoulder at one point. The girl kind of like flinches in pain. And she's like, wait, why, why are you sore? And she pulls down the back of the girl's shirt and it reveals the bite mark that, that turned her. And it's huge. Like it's like covering her entire, like almost the entire back curve of her shoulder. Uh, and it's very, very, very big. And mm-hmm. she's like freaked out and kind of like, you know, is, is really surprised by this. And... She's like, you know, who who bet you? Where did you get where did you get bet? Like, when did this happen? And the girl says, it's the, you know, it's not a kind of vampire. It's just him. It's just the one before that. And she's like, who are you talking about? And the girl says, the Grey Trader. So, this first issue is really all building up to the reveal of this new villain that's coming into the story, and that is the Grey mm-hmm. Trader. Um, and the art here is phenomenal. The because the, the, the girl's looking away, uh, and the panels above this. So, so it's like three panels. There's like a panel at the top, and it's like it's Pearl's reaction to what she's seen on the shoulder, and then it's a shot looking at the backs of both of them as they're having most of this conversation. But the big panel at the bottom of the page is the girl looking over her shoulder as she says the name, the Grey Trader, and it's really effective because. One, the the way the art's done with the eyes, she looks terrified. So that's great. But the fact that it sort of built up to her like face being shown again and the name being given in this big dramatic moment, even without the bold lettering and even without the, the dialogue that builds up to it, it tells you that this is a really big deal. This is the big this is the first mention of like who this new important character who's going to be a big thing. Um, the anthology might have teased the Great Trader. I can't remember, but uh, either way, like this was a very effective build-up to revealing that. Oh, hey, we've got this new big bad coming, and Pearl's mm-hmm. already got maybe a hand in the the story now because she's looking after this girl, this victim of his. Uh, the final scene of the book, though, is Skinner waiting to ambush this other cargo that he was told about at the border. And he's got like a car set up in the road to make the the, the 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 truck stop. But when he gets down to see what it is, it actually turns out to be a school bus. And he goes on and starts demanding where the loot is. He's like, where's the loot? And there's all these scared kids who are just like asking for help. They don't know what's going on. And then these two big hands come in the window and pull the kids out of the, the bus. Not all of them, because there's like a full bus full of them. But two of the kids get pulled out the windows. And Skinner looks out the window and says, show yourself, who are you? And there's this gorgeous panel of the uh, the school bus levitating in the air. It's in the air as the rain's pouring down and there's several of these vampire, you know, flying vampire bat-like creatures. Again, there's no detail though. They're all kind of like in silhouette and obscured by the rain and mm-hmm. the, the colouring. 
Like, they're intentionally not showing you what they actually look like, other than just the vague shape of them. Uh, but there's several of them flying around above the bus, and then the panel at the bottom of the page is this man in a grey suit and hat looking up. Presumably the grey trader. So, uh-huh. it begs this thing where there is clearly a lot of other creatures that are flying up there that are associated with him. Does he control all of these vampires? And if so, why? Is it just because he's the king of their kind? Is he exactly one of their kind, or is he something different? I don't know. But uh, the idea that this bus was referred to as cargo, and that this was like, you know, like basically a bus of kids. Like, do they only feed in children? And that's kind of, because so far all we know is that this new girl that's with Pearl as a mm-hmm. victim, and now we've got a bus full of kids that are now the, the new victims. So do these these people, do these vampires prefer kids? Do they only feed on kids? Like, what what is the, the rules here? But as far as the suspense and building up the atmosphere until it revealed, you know, key bit, like, I think every scene in this issue, it felt very refreshing. It felt like a nice new start, a nice new era for American Vampire, because it was like, hey, we're in a new time period, we're now establishing Pearl in a post-Henry world where he's already gone and she's doing this new thing where she's being proactive and trying to help other vampires who who deserve help. And that's all great. But the mood of that stuff in the field with the Scarecrow, um, all the stuff with Skinner doing the action movie stuff, and then the build-up to the Grey Trader himself and the gorgeous art of this, mm-hmm. this bus floating in the, the rain's absolutely fantastic. It does that great thing where there's like a build-up of water dripping off one of the wheels and it just gives it that extra bit of detail that makes it all feel really nice. Uh, so, very good. And it also looks like some of these vampire back creatures are just a little bit backlit from the moonlight. You know, the top of them's got that, mm-hmm. that bit of light at the top just to give them that extra accent. Um... So that's really good, and that's that's the final page. It, I mean, of course, it's the final mm-hmm. page. Like you, you spent all this time building up and building up. So, and I also love that Skinner and Pearl are both somewhat like already drawn into the main story now, even though they're in different states, even though they don't realize mm-hmm. they're in the same story yet. They they're both connected to the main ongoing thing, the the, the Grey Trader, which makes me wonder if Skinner's going to be more of an anti-hero in this story. But we'll uh... yeah. We'll see. I don't know. Because I never read this far before. I think I might have read this we, one issue, but I never read all of this art. Yeah. I know I didn't. So we all know how Skinner feels about people like in authority. So if this mm. was to be the biggest big bad, we know he's not going to handle that very well. So, yeah. Yeah. you know. So, nope, super exciting. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah, it's a pretty solid... I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just. Uh, I think I'm all going with the nine. I think the way it builds up, the way it introduces these new vampire creatures and builds up yeah. to the Great Trader, uh, along with the fantastic art, which has a lot of standout pages, uh, really good. So yeah, nine out of ten for that. So that'll take us out the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week for it: panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and I guess technically top five books. Although it'll be much less than that this week. Uh, Wait, what's your um, um... We we forgot Spirit World, bud. I never you, listed you, you that. You teased book. it at the top. What, yeah, you did. You what? said. Yeah, you told I, me that I read it. I did not, Matt. You are making it's not on my list. I never said this before. I could have sworn when I was looking at the the books, I counted four. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I read an extra book for no reason, so let's let's go then. <laughs> I mean, you could you could talk about it if you want, I suppose. But no, that's fine. Let's let's uh, close up shop. All right. You talk about it next week. There's not a lot of books next yeah, week. Sure. Talk about Spar World then. Sure. Um, yeah, I never said that at the start because it's not on my list. I'm positive. Maybe I'm maybe I'm conflating when we were going over the top ten. Yeah, the comicsology, yeah, it, 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 it either yeah. came up in there, yeah. In yeah. that list. All right. Very good, very good. All right. Uh, panel slash moment of the week, Matt. What you got? Oh, man. There's there's a couple in tech. Um, but then I also want to talk about the the in um, the Supergirl special. Uh, when you see uh, her being rescued by Superman, right, when she's late. Uh, that's a real nice page. Uh, Patrick draws Clark pretty well. Um, uh, but in, in tech especially... Uh, there, there's the, the scene that I talked about where Gordon and Selena are talking in a little dive bar and there's just chaos going around them and they're still just talking and how emblematic that is to the story in and of itself. So that one's going to be mine. Sure. Uh, what was my pick? Um, I think it... I think it probably has to be... Honestly, it may even just be that first page of Detective with the Arkham mm. ruins. Like, the art is just so gothic and moody. It just got me in the mm -hmm. mood so much. I think I'm going to go with that. It's an easy pick, but I think I'll do it. Uh, cover of the week... Uh, it's probably the Supergirl special for me. Uh, the main cover. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, there's not a lot of choice this week compared to normal, because there's only, you know, the, the, the three yeah, new books. Yeah, only a couple books. But uh yeah um yeah i'm just checking the gotham war one real quick see if there's any just in case yeah yeah that one's kind of fun adam hughes there's an adam hughes it's got bruce and selena and a car it's got some nice purples yeah yeah working in there um that one kind of looks a little ropey okay yeah, I'll go with the Supergirl special as well. That's a nice cover, the main cover. Yeah, I know we don't like picking the same thing, but there's not a lot of choice this week. <laughs> no, but there is there is a Jason Sean Alexander uh, detective comics that looks like a Kelly Jones. Um, mm. That I don't like the proportions at play, but the idea that there's the, you know, Superman, or Superman, Batman makes up the shadow. You know, his ears come up, and in between... Right above his head, there's the gallows with the little noose hanging over him. Um, I like what that does. I just the proportions, like his hands look massive. They look like Hellboy's uh, <laughs> hand of doom, right? So, but I just thought that one should be shouted out as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right, art of the week. I can tell you what it's not. It's not uh, the scorched earth because that book was scorched earth. Uh, it's gonna be Patridge for Supergirl. Yeah, it's quite one part partridge for me as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, I did like Alexander on Detective a lot, though. But mm -hmm. I think I'd probably just give it to to Partridge uh, yeah. overall. Um, all right, uh, rank the three new books, Matt. All right, the four. You can include City Boy in this. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with Detective Comics, Supergirl Special, um, City Boy, and then Fifty Feet of Dirt and Scorched Earth Number One. I'll save time. It's the exact same for me. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's Detective, it's Supergirl, it's City Boy, and then 
some steps and then the, the yep. Batman Catwoman book. So there you go. Uh, that is the show and we will be back next week. Uh, I'll tell you what's coming out next week. In fact, right this second. It's another late week, of course. Uh, so I guess Matt will get to talk about Spirit World then. But uh, next week we have Batman 139. We have Poison Ivy 16, Shazam issue 5, Birds of Prey issue 3, Joker the Man Who Stopped Laughing issue 12, Blue Beetle issue 3, Fire and Ice issue 3, and Superman 78, the Metal Curtain issue 1. So, mm-hmm. uh, you actually have a decent amount, because you you'll be reading uh, Poison Ivy hey, and, yeah, yeah, probably Blue Beetle as well? I am not caught up on Blue Beetle. Oh, maybe I don't not, make though. any okay. promises. Oh, yeah, fair, yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, I, I thought you were. That's, that's fair enough. Yeah, no. So, uh, Batman, Pete, do, do you want to know what it's about? Not really. Playing right into what our conversation was. New story arc begins. Batman versus the Joker. And more brutal than ever. <sighs> not not excited. Nope. Not at all. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll take, nope. it, take it as it comes. So we'll yep. see you next week for more comics from the DC variety. Well, as always, you thought of this week's books in the comments, like, subscribe, all that stuff. And of course, you can support the content and the podcast over at patreon.com slash TV. Maybe get a little bit early and stuff like that. But uh, that'll do. I'm going to go have dinner. So thank you very much for joining us, everyone. Keep reading <laughs> comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.